Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Buckeye Dads Discuss. I'm Josh. And I'm Andy. Andy, my man, it has been a while. It has been almost two months. We took a little impromptu summer vacation, uh, mostly, I would say, due to a somewhat hectic schedule on my end, uh, but I am glad to be back. How have you been? I've been great, man. Yeah, summer, summer came and went, and here we are looking at back to school already. Oh, I can't believe it. It's it's always a little off kilter for me because my middle son goes to school year round. He's on that balance type calendar. Um, but yeah, summer is fast fading, even though, you know, we're still hitting the 90 degree mark and uh, we're about to start a school year. We're about to start football season pretty soon, which is always exciting uh, and be done with summer and get going with the start of the year. Yeah, you know, I was mostly uh, sad about summer coming to an end but you mentioning football season hey that's always something to look forward to and football season means hockey season is just around the corner so back to the good sports though to be fair we did have and we will touch on this in quite a bit of detail later uh you know summer sports wise is usually just you know horrible uh again one more shot at baseball sorry baseball uh, but we had the Olympics this year, uh, and we had Euros. We had some, we had a little something, something to break it up this year. So uh, that that was definitely nice. Yeah, I don't know uh, how soccer players are feeling about summer because it feels like uh, the elite players had about 15 seconds between the end of Euros. The end, I mean, Champions League feels like it wasn't that long ago, and and that season started back again today, all around Europe. So we did have a bit of a treat this summer, and I'm excited to talk about some sports today. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So before we dive into topics again, it's been a little while, just shoot the shit a little bit. Any, uh, any fun stories, any vacations, any trips, uh, over the last couple of months worth mentioning? Yeah. So we finally, uh, got to the point where we felt like we could leave our little bubble a little bit. So we went to, to Fort Wayne to check out the zoo and that's a pretty good spot. So it, it won't make the Ohio list of top zoos, obviously, cause it's not in Ohio, <laughs> but I would say that's that's a great spot if you have an hour and a half drive from Toledo here. So it's it's well worth the drive. We had a good time there. And then we took just a, a bit of a road trip. To, uh, we went to Lake Michigan just for the day uh, a couple of weeks ago. So we went to a, a farm there that had all kinds of stuff for the kids to play on. It had kind of little tractors you could race and all kinds of animals you could pet and feed and all that kind of stuff so we went there for a little bit of the morning and then we just went to the beach on lake michigan which is absolutely terrifying i don't know if you've ever seen lake michigan in person but it it makes lake Erie look like the kiddie pool and this is like the deep end this this lake looks mean so yeah we uh we have some cabins in the upper peninsula of michigan on my mom's side of the family uh so we'll do that six and a half hour or so drive i have not done it in Oh gosh, 20 years, probably 15 years, you know, 15 years at this point. Uh, but we've stopped at Lake Michigan before. And and yeah, the 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 Great Lakes fan, they're just, you know, you have to see them to understand the full scale, you know, unless you're at an, at an ocean, it's pretty much as big as we got here in the US. So oh yeah, if if the water, I mean, obviously it, it was fresh water when it kind of hit you, but if not, I would have just thought it was the ocean looking at it. It was it was a bit intimidating. So but it, but it was a very cool experience for the kids to have that's nice you know be able to to venture out a little bit you know we did have a a relatively nice summer uh from a 
a COVID perspective, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, you know, it kind of loosened up a little bit, which was nice, a little reprieve uh, before we're starting to, to head in the wrong direction again. Um, but yeah, no, definitely nice to get out a little bit. Uh, I was in Indiana uh, for a bit on a drive this summer, and I'll get to that story a little bit later. But Indiana, my least favorite state to drive through in the in the whole uh, United States. Yeah, that's that's just a, a flat whole lot of nothing. <laughs> uh, yeah, so like I, I referenced a little bit earlier, I was pretty busy, uh, particularly in the month of July. So the 4th of July, as we mentioned long ago in our last podcast, not not a huge fan of yours and I's in the fireworks perspective. Uh, and I think we made our opinions pretty clear on that in the last episode. Yeah. Uh, um, but 4th of July, we typically head up to my wife's uh, parents' uh, uh, cottage up in Hillsdale, Michigan, and we it's right on the lake. And that often involves fireworks that weekend. Uh, we had Zach and his family up that weekend. And I just want to make sure for the record that he went to put one of his kids to bed. And it definitely seems like he fell asleep with the kid for a while. Uh, so getting old there, old man. But uh, I was sitting outside and we started the fireworks. There was a table about 10 feet away. We were all sitting around the fire and... I don't know, maybe 10 minutes in or so, something that got shot up into the air landed on my head. And I was like, okay, that's it for me. I'm going, I'm going inside and I'm going to bed. So, wow. I mean, put just put another point on the fact that fireworks are stupid. They will always be stupid. And I'm glad you didn't like burst into flames and didn't like catch in the shirt and you had to stop, drop and roll into the lake. Yeah, it was just the, you know, just the felt a little debris landed on my head. And I was like, okay, like I've, I've had enough of this for the night. So. Uh, the very next weekend, we end up going to visit, uh, some of my wife's family in Tennessee. We had the very unfortunate experience of, uh, you know, two days prior, uh, one of the people who babysat our kids, uh, wore a sweater that was covered in cat fur and we, we didn't realize it, didn't notice it. We got in the car, uh, it takes about nine hours of stopping with the kids and the last two and a half hours of the trip straight, uh, our youngest just cried and screamed the whole the whole way, pretty much. You know, it was late at night. We we had left late, so we were hoping the kids would fall asleep in the car. And, and Jackson screamed the whole time. To, and then we get out of the car and we and we take off his you know shirt. We're getting him ready in pajamas to go to bed, and he's just red, just covered head to toe in in a rash. So. Uh, we definitely had some choice words in the car that, you know, I felt bad for once we got inside. Uh, the drive home, luckily, was a whole lot better. Uh, but, man, cats. And every, when, they, when the doc said he was super allergic to them, they, they weren't lying. Hey, so Tennessee, right? Mm-hmm. So you said the last two hours. So right when you got in the mountains, when, when it starts getting hairy is when he started screaming, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that had to be a treat. <laughs> Yeah, with the way we went or whatever, we go through Jellico Mountain. Uh, yep. And uh, it, you know, it's again for I different people have different things that scare them, right? Like there's there's some people, probably people who live out in the country or whatever, that think, oh, I don't want to go into the big city. Like there's you know rapists and murderers around every corner, and it's definitely not a safe place. 
There is nothing scarier to me than driving in the boonies in the middle of nowhere. This horrible cell reception. No idea where anybody is. You got a lot of places that look kind of, you know, a little run down, a little sketchy. It's dark often. There's bad weather. Nothing scarier to me than that kind of environment. Man, when we when we went to Gatlinburg a couple of years ago, I swear I've never had like vertigo. And we were driving the, the first night in town. We were driving back to our cabin, which was like 25 minutes out of town. And I just like lost all sense of where I was. And I was like, I know there's an edge of a mountain here somewhere. And like, I'll pull over to the side of the road. Like, uh, <laughs> I'm not dying here tonight. I completely agree. It, it's a different kind of dark when you get out there in the country. And when you're in Tennessee, there's things that can kill you. <laughs> <laughs> there's bears. There's the edge of the mountain. Like, I don't want to mess with that. There's Mr. Rocky Top. You never know where he's lurking. Hey, um. Manning. <laughs> uh yeah so we had a nice weekend there we went to like a fossil park museum type dealio where they have like a dig site out there um a lot of like sensory things for the kids to play with in some of the rooms or whatever um and then i'm I'm home for a weekend and then i make the trip out to madison and andy you've you've done a trip out to madison with me before i have improved a little bit as a driver and a navigator since back then you figure out how the turnpike works? I, I have mostly figured out how the turnpike works. However, okay. apparently the the turnpike employees don't know how the turnpike works. So the reason why I hate Indiana, it's flat. It's the Elkhart, Indiana is where I got my first speeding ticket. I think I've told that story before on the pod. Yeah, I um, think so. But this time I'm going to... On the way to Madison, I get to the end of Indiana. And Indiana is nice from the, the turnpike perspective. You pay at the, you take a ticket at the beginning, you drive two and a half hours or whatever all the way across the state, and you pay one lump sum at the end, and you're done. And so I get to the end of Indiana, and it's 940, and I give the attendant a $10 bill. And she says, do you see how much this costs? And I'm like, yeah. She's like well, do you have 40 cents? And I'm like, what? Like, here's 50 cents. Because no, I didn't have 40 cents. I wasn't counting out nickels and dimes for you. And so I gave her 1050 for a 940 toll. And she gave me a dollar back and I went on my merry way. I was like, what is going on? Hey, at that point, I wouldn't fight it. Just let me through. I was like, keep here, the dime. Yeah, here, just take the $10 and just, just <laughs> let me through. Like, yeah. Um, And it was just, it was, so I went up there uh, for the weekend, which was really just a Saturday uh, to hang out with Nick and his wife who are expecting their first kid in December. Um, I'm pretty sure I told you that, right? Yeah, that's, that's exciting news though. Congrats, Obi. Very excited. Um, Very excited indeed. He's the, he's the last one from our uh, group of friends in high school to, to get on the dad train. Um, But the turnpike was just tore up completely. I hate the Chicago Cubs now because they were playing a day series at home uh, in the afternoon, right when I was trying to drive uh, through or around Chicago. Just a horrible, horrible commute um, all the way around. Um, I did get to have canes, though, which was as wonderful as I remember. Nice. A little a little box combo with... Uh, Extra Texas toast instead of coleslaw. 
classic order. I, I thought you had to go south for Kane, so I, I didn't realize you could go west for it. Very nice. Yeah, it was. It's a pretty new addition to Madison, uh, I believe. I was told so, and it was. Uh, it was pretty. Uh, pretty packed. It was nice to be in Madison. I think Madison is a very lovely city. Um, it's, you know, I would say maybe half a peg down from Columbus and and places that I've lived that I've enjoyed. Um, people were wearing masks even outside, which was, you know, pretty Madison. Uh, pretty lived nice. there. Um, I had a pretty good weekend uh, and uh, definitely enjoy going up there. Going to go up there again for whatever the diaper party equivalent is later this year. And then we'll have another kid in the world and life will be good. Yeah, I, I agree. As far as uh, Big Ten cities have been to, I think Madison was fun. We went up there, you know, for your interview that one time and that was kind of a, a quick in and out, but came up a couple of times while you lived there and we, we had ourselves a time at least one night. Yeah, yeah, we did. You guys bought some, you know, ridiculously priced cheese and got to wander the city while I floundered at an interview. So, yeah, you know, it's a good time. Hey, man, that, that's still the best cheese I've ever eaten in my life. Yeah, no, that was <laughs> that was another. And that was, again, I left on a Friday and a Friday morning and then was back in the car on Sunday. Uh, and it was a very quick trip, uh, but I was glad that I made it, so... Uh, Andy, transitioning a little bit, I owe you an apology uh, from many, many years ago. Okay. Uh, I got my, the one wisdom tooth that exists in my mouth pulled last Friday, mm -hmm. and I feel really bad for all the people I've ever made fun of when they've gotten their wisdom teeth pulled. <laughs> Not a my good wife, experience for you. Including my wife, including you, I distinctly remember you getting yours pulled. We went over to your parents' place one weekend and watched Grandma's Boy while you were zonked out on the on the yep. chair. Um, and I don't remember who else in, in the crew got. I feel like at least one more person got their wisdom teeth out while we were in high school, which is when most normal people get their wisdom teeth out. Uh, but I got mine pulled on Friday, and holy shit, it has not been uh, as smooth as I thought it would be. You feeling better now, at least? A week out? I'm feeling better. Like today was really kind of like my first, like pretty good day to the point where yesterday I called the dentist and squeezed in an appointment basically for me to go sit in a chair for five minutes. The dentist asked me to open my mouth. Yep. This is healing beautifully. You're basically just a big pansy. Um, and then she was like, Oh, one of your, one of your stitches is askew. And she just like cranked down on my gum right by where my tooth was pulled. To the point where I walked out of the dentist's office outside in the parking lot and just like yelled fuck at the top of my lungs because it hurt so much. Um, but yeah, apparently everything's going well. I just kind of thought it was going to be more of a three, four day thing. And uh, and and yeah, I still got a decent amount of swelling and I still kind of got to take a ibuprofen slash Tylenol every now and every nine or 10 hours uh, before I start getting irritated. So. Can you eat big boy food yet? Yeah, I've been eating big boy. Again, I just have the one, just only one lower right tooth existed in my mouth. So I've been able to eat on my other side of my mouth pretty okay. Okay. Um, you know, that first day, you know, I smashed two Frosties from Wendy's. Uh, and But pretty quickly, I was e eating pretty, uh, 
pretty normal diet. Um, but man, like I, and I was just surprised because, you know, my wife had had two kids at that point and then she got hers pulled and she got all four of hers pulled. She went under general anesthesia. Uh, and she was like, she was like, this is worse than having a kid. And I was like, you're crazy. Like this has to be the drugs talking. And I just got one poll and I'm like, okay, I completely understand now. Yeah, I, I got knocked out for mine too. And honestly, I think the thing that killed me was the narcotic pain meds. And I think that's why you guys thought it would be so funny to come over and watch Grandma's Boy because <laughs> I was on the narcotics. And you're like, oh, it's a movie about drugs and you're on drugs. Let's watch it. Yeah, that was, know, man. that's a movie I haven't thought about probably since we watched it back then um yeah it does certainly had its moments but it's not in the comedy like pantheon for me at all but uh yeah it was pretty funny uh, they sent me home with five oxys and i did not dip into them at all um i the the tylenol and motrin they prescribed prescription were were, were good enough for me but but uh man yeah it was uh, a little bit more than what i thought it was going to be yeah, you, you made the right call by not dipping into those. I think the nausea was far worse than any of the actual pain. Like, I'd, I'd rather deal with the pain than the uh, the nausea that I got. So so funny on mine. So, you know, you guys came over that afternoon and watched Grandma's Boy, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm imagining I was pretty grumpy. I'm going to be honest. I don't 100% remember that. <laughs> I mean, I, I remember the idea of it, but I, I don't remember specifics. So later that night, my sister has her friends over and they're watching Rent. And I mean, if our TV went up to 20, they had it at 25. I mean, this uh-huh. thing was blaring. And all I remember is on the couch, bleeding out of my mouth, just screaming, turn that shit off. <laughs> I think they just turned it up to 30 at that point and just kept laughing. So I, t- I was done with movies for a little while after the old wisdom teeth. I got, I got put through the ringer afternoon <laughs> and then again in the evening. So glad, glad you're feeling better and that you didn't have to go through that, uh, that feeling where you're starving, but you can't get anything in your mouth. Cause that, that was also a terrible part of the experience. Yeah. I was like, Oh man, I can't open my mouth as wide as I normally do. I was like, Oh, whatever. I can still slip a spoon in there and, and we'll get something in there one way or another. So, uh, but yeah, it was just yikes um gotta eat your piece of Kasich style gotta cut it into little pieces with your uh, your knife and fork and shove it in there yeah yeah uh (laughs) very embarrassing so um and so last topic before we dive into sports uh, i just want to dip into a little pop culture here real quick uh and this is largely sparked by you but uh movies are back uh we're easing our way into them my wife and i uh we went to see suicide squad and i she liked it quite a bit more than i did uh not really the point of the story but um dune is a movie that's scheduled to come out later this year uh dune is of course based on the uh really pillar science fiction uh frank herbert's 1965 uh dune novel uh which spawned many more novels that got progressively worse uh, as time went on, and I think as his son took over after he died. Uh, but the original Dune is a masterpiece of science fiction. And it is something that I read in high school at some point. And I had not read for, you know, 15 years or so. And I came back to it this summer in preparation for the movie. And it just tells you how much of an idiot I am. Where, like, I pick up this book that I have read before. That's a, It's basically, like one of the Lord of the Rings, but of sci-fi instead of fantasy. 
I'm reading this book and the only thing I can think of over and over is like, man, like this is a really good book. Like this guy really knows how to write. And it's like, of course it's, it's widely regarded as one of the masterpieces of the genre. Uh, but I'm about halfway, halfway through the 700 pages or so. And it's just phenomenal. Uh, which brings me to the fact that you, uh, I saw on the Twitter sphere started game of Thrones season one. What in the world sparked you to actually finally start watching the show? Honestly, we got HBO for Mayor of Easttown. And <laughs> once that was over, we saw Game of Thrones. And, and Crystal said, I think I'm down to rewatch it. And I said, OK, I, I've, I've kind of flirted with the idea before. So, you know, I don't know how long necessarily we're going to keep HBO. So I said, if we're going to do it, we might as well strike while the iron's hot and let's do it. So, yes, I mean, I'm what 10 years late to the game yes uh, i looked this up before the show uh season one came out a decade ago this year and coincidentally the last book and what is supposed to be a seven book series book five also came out a decade ago and there is no uh news on if george is ever going to get around to writing book six finishing book six let alone uh book seven so just to give you a, a, an idea of the time frame because this happened right around college uh the gap between books three and books four was five years the gap between books four and five was six years and now we've been going on a decade since book five with no uh no news in sight and and really it's even more embarrassing in the middle because Books four and five were supposed to be one book, but he had to split them into two because of like, it probably would have been like a 1500 page book, essentially. Uh, and still there was that big long gap. And so uh, book five came out while we were in college. It was super highly anticipated. Uh, the way he writes his books, uh, all the chapters are just named. Uh, all the chapters are named the title of who the character is from their point of view. And so all the kind of like shitty characters that people didn't like were in book four. And then you had to wait six years and then book five had all the sweet characters in it. Uh, and who knows if that series is ever going to be finished. George is not exactly young and in the pinnacle of good health. Uh, so it very well might not be finished by him before he, uh, you know, keels over. God rest his soul. Uh, but man, the, the books... They're good. I like them quite a bit. I don't put them in my highest tier of fantasy, uh, which I am a, 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 a somewhat noted expert on uh, relative to our friend group. Uh, it's the genre. Oh, yeah. you, you, none of the rest of us had swords under our beds. Yes, exactly. Uh, I had my exact replica of Glam Drink Gandalf Sword from Lord of the Rings that I won in a card game tournament uh, back in high school. Uh, yes, that is my I, I come by my nerddom, honestly, and it is legitimate. Um, but Game of Thrones, again, if I were actually to try and like try, try and twist your arm to get into sci-fi fantasy, I would actually pick Game of Thrones, particularly the TV show, uh, because it's a pretty low magic setting. Like, obviously, you finish season one, and I'm about to ask you kind of what you thought of it. But, you know, it's not Lord of the Rings where it's like, you know, right away it hits you with dwarves and elves and dragons and uh, wizards and, and kind of a high uh, magic setting. Um, 
it's 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 basically you know like a political drama you know with with some extra stuff so what did you think now that you finished season one i i'm hooked i finished season one in like three nights so i mean that i would 100 percent be probably crushing three episodes if we weren't recording tonight so i'm I, i'm in yes excellent and that was the thing back a decade ago i of course was just like let's go this is going to be amazing uh it took some convincing to get april along zach also watched it pretty early i think those are two pretty sci-fi fantasy skeptical people i would say uh and, and they both you know again it doesn't take you very long to be hooked um and again you've got Again, I will 100% not spoil anything for you. The first six seasons are the best thing that I watched on TV, maybe. And season seven and eight might be perfectly fine for you because you don't have, uh, you know, the literature kind of hanging over your head and all that. Uh, somewhere in season six, we basically get to the point where the books end and it's now... Uh, the creators of the show have the broad strokes of how the series should end from the author, but they have a lot more latitude to kind of do their own thing. And, and really you just kind of run out of the episodes. I believe season seven is seven episodes and season eight is six episodes. Now they're longer episodes than the, than the normal uh, first six seasons. Uh, but you have to try to cram in a lot of stuff uh, at the end, but the first six seasons and again like you're not even like if you think this is good now you're gonna hit peak thrones and you're gonna be like oh my god um a thing i want to ask you is you know obviously this is a show that you know was like monoculture as much as anything can be monoculture when it was out is there anything that you already know and again if we're spoiling anything from season one or whatever you people have had plenty of time to watch the show uh, I'm not. I'm not apologizing for anything, particularly. In I'm the season. last guy in America. Right. So again, you've seen season one. I will not mention anything that happens beyond season one. But is there anything that you already know, just living as a person in America about this show in later seasons, that you think might kind of affect how you watch the show? Yeah. So I think the big one is I know some shit happens with Jon Snow at the end of a season where he may or may not make it to the next season, and I'm pretty sure he does. But I know there's some controversy where at the end of a season, it's like, is he dead or is he not? So okay. I think that's the big one that, that I know is is coming at some point. I mean, I'm, I'm fairly sure that winter is coming at some point. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, oh, man. Wonderful. So but uh, honestly, though, no, I don't think I know a ton of spoilers. I mean, I heard people's reactions to the end, but honestly, I had so little awareness of who the characters are that I've forgotten what people said. Yeah. You are in for a treat. I really wish I could go back and experience this for the first time. Um, I was reading through the uh, the plot summaries of season one just to remember exactly what they showed on the TV screen. And, and yeah, I mean, so what did you think? Like, episode nine is obviously, you know, we go back to 2011 and the world gets introduced to the, you know, probably the staple George R.R. R. Martin trope which is like don't get too attached to any character because you never know who's suddenly going to get their head lopped off yeah that one hurt i thought ned would be around longer and, and i really liked him so that that one hurt um 
I was aware that it was pretty bloody. I thought we'd get a little more time out of that. So I was, I was a little like, oh shit. But I, I did kind of go in knowing that people die and a lot of people die. Right. Going back to your question about uh, stuff that I know ahead of time, I'm aware of the concept of the Red Wedding where a shitload of characters get killed off. So yeah, that, I, thought, that was I don't know one. when that is, but I was yep. thinking, I don't know, maybe this dude sticks around till then. Um, but I think that definitely set the tone for me of like, all right, I'm not attached to anybody at this point. You could all possibly die, but if you kill Arya, I'm done with the show. So tread <laughs> lightly. Do you want to give us a quick recap of your favorite characters from uh, from season one? Uh, since I, 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 your list was strong, definitely strong. You want you want me to recap it? Yep, mm-hmm. you're just your favorite, just who you liked in season one. Yeah, so I, I just threw out. So I, I kind of want to keep this in a, a journal on Twitter a little bit. So I, I'm tracking how many times I fall asleep, and that's a personal problem. It's nothing against the show. <laughs> I fall asleep all the time. So three times in ten episodes is really good for me. So if you see that. That's actually a really good rate for me to make it through, you know, three and a quarter episodes before I fall asleep. Um, my top characters, so we'll, we'll go reverse order. Um, the Ghost of Ned, R.I.P. Ned, uh, was number five on my list. At this point, I feel like I should know the guy's name at number four, but I don't. It's John's buddy at the wall. He reminds me of Olaf from Frozen. He's like <laughs> Sam- the, 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 what's his name? Samuel Tarly. The big fat sure, kid. we'll go with yep. that. The, 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 the big guy that I just keep yep. waiting for him to sing in summer at some point, you know, <laughs> fantasizing about not being on the wall. I don't yep. expect that to happen, but I hope it does. Uh, I have John at number three. Okay. I have uh, Tyrion at number two because that dude is funny as shit. Yep. Um, and Arya Stark is my number one. She is a badass. And I don't know if the show ends with somebody like picking up the throne and taking it somewhere else and being like, this is mine, leave me alone. But I'm hoping that she's the one, the last one standing at the end of the show. Your, your top, your top five list is strong. Oh, very, very strong. Um, I would just, I would want to make two honorable mentions real quick to your list. Um, number one, as I mentioned earlier today on Twitter, Robert Baratheon, uh, Ned Stark's, uh, you know the actual king uh, and his brother in arms, just the, just the ridiculous uh, parody of of the old fat drunken king, uh, past his prime. <laughs> um, just really got a lot of good humor out of him before he, uh, you know, cashes it in at the end. Um, and then I don't remember exactly how much Tywin Lannister you get in season one. He is the father to. Tyrion and uh the the incest twins yeah. um if you I know you struggle with names a little bit so uh he he's uh he's kind of the power behind the throne uh and uh he you get a lot more of him in upcoming seasons and he's just he's he's a great character yeah really just in a little bit of the uh the battles against Rob Stark so I I don't think he's been particularly amusing yet, but I, I could definitely see him being a, obviously he's going to be a character that factors in quite a bit going forward. Absolutely. All right. I am very curious. Everybody needs to follow along with uh, Andy's running diary on Twitter. Cause uh, man, just, Oh, it was such great TV. Um, and yes, the ending really like uh, didn't stick for me, but that had a lot more to do for me personally, it was a lot more just to do with kind of literature and how the sci-fi fantasy was handled, which uh, 
I think will be less important factors for you. So I'm very curious to see uh, how you feel about it as the show goes along, but particularly the end. Uh, the last little thing I'm going to say is uh, since you have HBO, the the one recommendation I would make to you, and I've made it on here before, if you can squeeze in uh, the first two seasons of Succession, I would highly recommend. Uh, season three, I think, is, come out, is due to come out later this year. Uh, and this is going to be a pretty bad pitch to you, but I watched the first season and I, and I ended the first season and I was like, do I even really like, like the show? Like the characters are kind of hard to relate to. And then I started episode one of season two and I was like, this is one of the best shows I've ever seen. So uh, that, that is my two cents. If you, if you keep HBO for any length of time, uh, Thrones definitely first, but uh, I would try succession if I was you. Yeah, I think I think we'll probably just make a run through. We did that with uh, Showtime when Shameless was hot. We did that with Stars when Outlander was hot. So we we kind of you know get the streaming service for the latest and then kind of run through it. And then once we've run through, you know, kind of the 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 flagship shows of those services, then we decide are we going to keep it or are we going to ditch it. So I'd like to take a run at that while we still have HBO, but but it's going to be uh we're going to be heavy on the Thrones here, I think, for a bit. As well, you should be as well you should be all right that is enough uh blathering about that um sports so there's we we've been gone for two months and like i'm sure i forgot some pretty major stories both in sports and covid and just kind of in the news uh so feel free to chime in if there's anything that you forget but we'll start with a little bit of college football uh you know, you and I talked about how if any U.S. league was going to, you know, subscribe to the Super League style European soccer, um, it would be college football. And I feel like we take a step in that direction. Oklahoma and Texas make a move to join the SEC. What do you think? Fine academic institutions. <laughs> uh joining joining other fine academic institutions <laughs> i mean they have to raise the academic profile of the sec right i mean texas isn't terrible <laughs> so <laughs> as much of a joke as that is they probably honestly do raise the academic profile of the sec i'm gonna be honest i hate this this Not is just awful. that move. I, I hate the direction things are going. I hate that there was talk of like USC in the Big Ten. There was talks about Ohio State. Move. I, I don't like it. I read something just tonight about the American Athletic, the Pac-12, and the Big Ten are trying to form some sort of a coalition that I, I don't know if that's just a voting block or if they're trying to make a mega conference or – I. I feel like college football just needs to decide what it is. Is it going to be a developmental league for the NFL that's out to make a shitload of money, or are they going to keep pretending like there's fun and unique things about college football? Because, I mean, at this point, I think we've killed most of the tradition, most of the amateurism in college sports. So, I mean, let's just treat it like it is. Let's treat it like a moneymaker, put the best teams together and be done with it, I guess. I won't watch it if they do that, but, I mean – I, I don't even know what college football is anymore. And I don't mean that in like a dramatic way. I literally just don't know like what the vision of college football is anymore. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I hate this. Like the whole point, like, again, the reason why I like college football and 
to a much lesser extent, this applies to college basketball, but really this is the selling point for me for football is like, if I'm going to watch something that is not the peak top performance league, there has to be a considerable draw for me to be invested in that product. And of course, there's always going to be this inherent draw, right? You and I are alum of a high powered football school. So the four years that we spent there, there are going to contribute to us being invested. But the reason I love college football is the whiteout at Penn state and the rivalry with Michigan and the things that have developed over the course of many, many years of playing in this conference uh, and you know how the league has always been. And again, I'm all usually for modernizing and doing the better thing and doing the new thing. But if that's going to be the case, I'm just going to watch the NFL. Like I just will want to watch the actual best football that's on a TV screen instead of, you know, some 18 to 22 year olds, you know, just slinging it around and any wild, crazy thing can happen. So I, I really don't like this. I think this is, we're trending in that super league direction. I mean, it, it, it most assuredly won't be called that, but it, that it will essentially be what it is. Um, and it's just, it's gross. I just don't like it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think at this point, like the, the relevance of college football is going to be who's good and going to get drafted to NFL teams. I think at the NFL already has a superior product, not just, and I mean, obviously the talent's better. You have pros, but the clock rules, the fact that the games are in and out in three to three and a half hours, instead of the marathon for four and a half hours that college football is now, it already is tough to sit down and watch a college football game for the entirety of the game, just because they're so goddamn long. I mean, I think that's that would be the final nail in the coffin of me watching college sports. I, you know, I'll watch the Michigan game. I'll probably watch two other Ohio State games for the year. That's that'd probably be about it for me if we're really heading in the direction of this like fake super league. See, the thing for me is that just like there's no professional game that I can watch that like I really feel like I give a shit about. Like I I can appreciate it for the fact that it's the sport being played at the highest level, but I've been to like, you know, Detroit versus green Bay games when it's somewhat mattered for one of the two teams or whatever. And just uh, a full NFL stadium just has nothing on a, on a full college stadium. You know, one of the big ones that we've been in that's rocking. Uh, So if you start getting rid of those things and, you know, you've, you and I have been the, plenty of poorly attended Ohio State games where we're playing the shit school or some major player is injured or and it's just you know the air comes out of the stadium and it's just not the same Uh, anything that you can do to make it not be that you know obviously the live aspect and going is much more secondary than the television product but if you start removing all of those things that make the sport special it's just I, I don't have any reason to care about it so yeah. I mean, so. it, 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 at the end of the day, it's such a blatant money grab and it's like, you're, you're trying to grab the money, but you're not even the best thing on the market. So I don't yeah. know. I, I don't, I don't like it. I really don't like the idea. I mean, I listen, we're the, we're the purists that I, I think I speak for you and tell me if I'm wrong, that when Nebraska came into the big time, we're like, no, 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 I'm Nebraska. Like, ne- like why? Nebraska is a big 12 school. Like they should, yes. and, 
Maryland is an ACC school and Rutgers is a something school. I, I, where, you know, Big East or wherever you belong, Rutgers, I don't know if you're affiliated enough with any conference to, to really matter, but like these are not Big Ten schools. And I don't care about like all this Cornhusker tradition or whatever. You're just some shitty ass Big Ten team that I don't that I don't care about. So I'd imagine they don't even care about being in the Big Ten. I mean, I could be wrong, but like, <laughs> do they even get like? Do they even look at themselves as a Big Ten school? Right. So I I don't know. And again, like to be clear, and I'm I I feel confident I can also speak for you in this. Like, this is not to say like the money grab part is purely from the like NCAA. TV deal conference perspective. I'm I'm all about what's going on right now with with athletes getting paid, uh, you know, based on their name and image and likeness and all of that. This is not me trying to say like, oh, let's keep money out of the hands of players. Uh, not that at all. It's just what the product is. You know, it it just it the product feels different if you say it's you know the the D League, it's the G League, it's Triple A uh, for football. It's just it's it's not the same anymore. If the NCAA is going to destroy all of the tradition and all of the things that make college football good, the very least we can do is get the players paid in return for it. They should absolutely be getting paid. Yeah. I have not really done any roster prep as I never do. I'll kind of turn, you know, week one on and watch game day. Um, I see that uh, Herbie's book is coming out, I think this week or maybe next week. Uh, I think it was... uh, written primarily by one of the ESPN reporters, but uh, in conjunction with Herbie. So I might pick that up, um, kind of get his, get his thoughts as an OSU alum and uh, you know, one of the faces of college football and, and give that a read. Uh, but I'll, I'll learn the roster in week one and, uh, and we'll have pro uh, we'll have NFL coming up here pretty soon too. Hey, maybe we need to do a, uh, an episode where we review Herbie's books. I didn't even know that, he had written the book but that's incredibly uh attractive to me so maybe we'll do that maybe we can both pick that up and sometime in the fall ohio state time you know in the middle of football season we can uh review old herbie's book yeah that sounds like a great idea uh the book is called out of the pocket football fatherhood and college game day saturdays oh love it by Kirk Herbstreet, it is due out on August 17th, so Tuesday of next week. So, I mean, basically, the the premise of his book is Buckeye Dads, right? Like, it's being a Buckeye, certain. talking about fathers. Does he know about the show? Can we get him on? <laughs> okay, so here's the deal, right? We go find the twins who, like, what was the deal, right? Like, their grandmother lived next door to, like, Herbie's mom or whatever? No, no, no. Their parents lived around the corner from him. Their parents? He lived, like, two streets away from from Herbie's parents. Yeah, so this is... People are going to think that we're going to be embarrassed by this, but I'm totally not. Uh, in in your guys' place of residence, there was a signed picture of Kirk Herbstreet in a frame that just kind of hung out in our yep. room that the, the twins had gotten. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if you're going to... Uh, if you're going to pick a guy from college football, man, Herbie can't go wrong there. Huge Blue Jackets guy, too. I don't know if you knew that. No, I mean, I know he had lived in, he had, you know, I think he's in what, he's in Tennessee now somewhere, but uh, he lives in Columbus for a long time. And so it's good to see him support the team or whatever. So, 
Yep. Whenever, whenever the Blue Jackets are making moves, Herbie's on top of that too. So, I mean, not that he needed any more positive notches in the belt, but he's a, he's a big hockey guy as well. Amazing. Uh, from the NFL, again, I'm not super invested uh, at some point. I imagine uh, my wife, the commission, is going to boot up whatever leftover fantasy league we still have. Uh, the two things I do have my eye on, Andy, as the NFL season approaches. Justin Fields is getting a lot of good buzz uh, out of Bears training camp uh, as they get ready in their preseason and whatnot. Uh, and I believe that the Steelers had a preseason game uh, that they had scooped up Dwayne Haskins, and he looked quite good in it as well. So uh, this might, maybe this will be the year of the Ohio State quarterback. And if if that's the case, I will j- definitely jump on at least one of these bandwagons and uh, support one of those teams. Yo, I'm not going to root for the Steelers, but I'll root for Haskins. Look, Haskins never got a chance. I think Washington did him dirty, and I know he made some mistakes off the field and, and- – probably did, did some foolish things that I'm not talking about the DV, which is a totally separate thing. And, and that, I don't even know if we want to get into that, but that I'm talking about when he was with Washington previously, I don't think they ever gave him a fair chance. So, I mean, he still has tons of talent and hopefully being able to sit behind Ben for a year, if Ben can make it through this year at, you know, age 57 or whatever he's at. I mean, if, if he can sit there and, and really have some time to learn an offense, I mean, I, he still has the talent to be a starter in the league. So that that is really exciting to see for Haskins. And, and yeah, I mean, man, Chicago has been brutal on quarterbacks, so we'll see how it ends up for Fields. I hope they put some people around him. I honestly don't know enough about them to know if they have a decent roster around him or not, but I, I just know that place has chewed up quarterbacks and spit them out. So I, I'd love to see him succeed there. Yeah, and I, I will certainly just troll my wife, April, I love you. But if Fields is good, when the Bears and the Packers play, which they will play at least twice this year, I will totally buy a Justin Fields Bears jersey and just wear it around the house on, on that day. Uh, hey, one thing about Fields, and I'm going to get in trouble with your wife here too. You know he's not going to be crying to the media for an entire offseason. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't think he's going to be demanding uh, – input and team decisions saying y'all got to call me before you can decide who you're going to sign. So we'll at least give him that. Oh, Aaron. And yet like Haskins, if the Steelers just like got a, a starting quarterback off the scrap heap for nothing, and they just end up now having like a, a quarterback for the next decade, uh, based on the fact that Washington didn't do a good job of grooming him to, to be quarterback I really wanted him to stick in Washington because they also have Chase Young who's just been dominating people uh and if you have Haskins and Chase Young on the same team I mean that makes a case for you know I know like the Saints have a lot of Buckeyes historically and there's some other teams uh but that might make you know Washington the 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 Buckeye capital of the league and the team that I might keep my eye on but uh I, I don't have the the Steeler hate that a lot of people in this area do but I just I'm always looking for Buckeyes all around the league to succeed. So hey, Terry McLaurin is tearing it up with uh yeah, true with Washington too. So if you had Haskins throwing the long ball to him, hello, Buckeyes. Right. Uh and um April had hard knocks on the other day. And if Zeke can get his stuff together again and be back to being one of those impact running backs, Buckeyes, Buckeyes all over the place. I love it. 
Hey, you can't go wrong with drafting them. For sure. Uh, Olympics. Andy, how much of the Olympics did you have on over the last month or so? Um, I don't know. Probably less than I've ever watched. Um, I don't know. I, I On the weekends, I probably, you know, I kind of had that, like, tape delay stuff they had on like Saturday afternoons I'd watched I mean I watched like a bike race that I didn't know anything about but not a ton I tried to follow the women's soccer but the 4 a.m wake up calls were a little brutal so I watched the the games where the women played at seven um I mean I watched the semifinal match for the women but not a ton yeah we had them on a lot but it was kind of more as like background in the evenings, you know, all the primetime stuff essentially. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not a big Olympics person really at all. Um, for me, and and I, I assume we probably disagree. To me, uh, to me, summer Olympics are just way better than the Winter Olympics. But the Winter Olympics have hockey, so is that enough for you to favor winter over summer? Yeah, I mean, to me, I don't necessarily get excited about a lot of the sports that i'm not going to watch in any other scenario so like i'm not jacked about swimming i'm not jacked about Mm -hmm. speed skating i think curling is relatively fun to watch it's like you know the number two sport in the winter olympics i would say i I enjoy watching the curling but yeah i mean you're really comparing women's soccer to hockey but you have women's and men's hockey in the winter olympics so yeah winter olympics are better for sure okay yeah I mean, I don't, there's nothing, probably really nothing in the Winter Olympics that pulls me. I do really like uh, hockey uh, in the Olympics. I do, and again, whatever this, this paints me as, so be it. But I do like the kind of a little bit, I would say, cleaner, you know, nobody really fights in the Olympics. Kind of just like, let's, let's see skill on skill type play. Um, I definitely remember watching Winter Olympics um when my kids were young and my youngest son or my oldest son would call uh tj oshi yoshi and i thought that was very cute very nice Um, but uh so i will certainly watch them if they're on but i'm not actively seeking it out and then otherwise the winter olympics are basically like how many rich white kids does your country have and that's how many medals you'll have with these sports, I've never really done the whole like X Games thing in any of the the, the skiing or, or snowboarding or anything like that. Uh, but not to say that I really care a whole ton about the Summer Olympics either. Um, I do enjoy the soccer, which I didn't watch any of based on the times, uh, as you said. Uh, you know, Olympic basketball, I I like quite a bit. The women's team always just dominates everyone. Uh, and the men's team this year usually the men's team usually does as well uh got off to a shaky start this year but we ended up uh pulling off golds in both of those uh but didn't watch any of that again so it's usually just gymnastics swimming track in the evening and and so i'm gonna go on a little mini rant here about gymnastics so again nbc decides that swimming track and gymnastics those are the things that get shown in prime time whatever apparently people like them these are things that happen once every four years and 99 of the population doesn't think about them for the rest of the time until the next olympics uh swimming and track i think are so much better than gymnastics it's like not even close to me because everybody's been in a pool 
or ran a race and it's just like how fast can you go uh it's a very kind of you know instinctual just part of being a human gymnastics there are just so many things wrong with gymnastics for me and i didn't really dive into the whole simone biles drama too much uh as it was going on but like gymnastics you have these like weird sexualized uniforms for girls who are very young you have a it's a sport where you know the whole Simone Biles thing like if you do something wrong if you aren't perfect you might end up paralyzed or break a bone uh you know it just seems like a really high risk scenario uh you know all of the different like you know having to keep your body type in a certain maybe somewhat unhealthy way you have all the Larry Nasser sexual abuse stuff out of it uh, it's you know it seems like a somewhat subjective sport uh, and so gymnastics again I know there, that was the central kind of topic of conversation over this Olympics with Simone Biles uh, you know being out for a large majority of it for mental health reasons and the twisties which I learned about this year uh, but I think swimming and track give me those all day compared to gymnastics yeah I'm with you I think gymnastics is a sport probably just promotes a lot of we'll just say yucky things um in the nasser story I, I don't know how much you've dug into that i i got i went down that rabbit hole one day and it is absolutely disgusting the things that were covered up michigan state fuck you guys for what you did in that you you knew and you did nothing um yeah i'm with you and like watching gymnastics like unless you have someone that's a simone biles this like i mean obviously she's sweet like you know she's practically hitting the roof of the buildings that they're in like clearly she's a little bit of a step up above everyone else but as far as like watching everybody else i can't even tell the difference between like the person that comes in first and probably the person that comes in seventh it's like yeah you do like seven backflips and that's cool but i don't know the difference yeah and i don't and to be clear i'm not disparaging the actual athletes themselves again like simone biles is a fucking baller like uh, you know, with how ridiculously good she is compared to everyone else. It's just, you know, that there's a large segment of the audience that like, there's people who tune in just to see if somebody's going to eat it, you know, on the balance beam around the bars or whatever. That's not healthy. That's not cool. And then, you know, there's a whole nother thing with, you know, unitards and, and whatever, like there, you know, there's a reason that women's gymnastics gets way more play than men's gymnastics. And I don't think those, uh, those reasons are necessarily things that, you know, people want to admit to. So I, I just don't, it just doesn't do it for me at all. Um, I'm, I'm sure I just rained on somebody's parade, but uh, everybody's been in a pool and just as seen who can get to the other end of the pool faster than the other person or who can run the fastest. So uh, definitely gravitated towards those events more so uh, than gymnastics this year. Yeah. That, that's a lot more intuitive of uh you can definitely tell who won and who lost because they crossed the finish line first. So you watch the U.S. women's soccer national team play. They lost in the semifinals to Canada. Uh, what were your impressions? Like, why Why do you think we got too cocky? Like, what do you think happened in that game? But honestly, I, I did not watch the Canada game. I'll be honest. It was oh, a 4 a.m. Okay. wake up. And I was like, yeah, I'm interested, but uh, maybe I'll catch that later. And then when they lost, they said, I'm over it. 
I did watch them play. I watched part of the match where they lost to Sweden, which that was an early wake-up call, and I watched that one decided that it probably wasn't worth waking up at 4 a.m. for. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, there was just – there was – we couldn't score, which is kind of ridiculous for a team that's been so high scoring and so good for so long. There was just – there was no attack. Hmm. And I, I think at this point, I mean, maybe it's age. I mean, we, we've run with a lot of the same core for a long time, and we have people that are getting up there in age, but – there just wasn't a whole what I watched, there just wasn't a whole lot of creativity. There wasn't a whole lot of it was just blah. Like there was just there was no no attack to it. Yeah, I'm looking at the roster and the, uh, the names on this roster are names that I've been familiar with for a pretty long time. And it certainly seems like soccer is a sport where you know, like you know, you have people who are 16, 17, 18, you know, that new fresh face, those fresh legs people can really kind of be dynamic and create some chances. So uh, that seems like a astute observation on your part that maybe we were getting a little uh, long in the tooth and it's time for some turnover in the roster. I do uh, want to uh, tell our audience about another person's reaction uh, to this result. Uh, on August 5th, our uh, 45th, 45th president of the United States, Donald J. Trump, issued a statement that I'm going to read to you. If our soccer team headed by a radical group of leftist maniacs wasn't woke, they would have won the gold medal instead of the bronze. Woke means you lose. Everything that is woke goes bad. And our soccer team certainly has. There were, however, a few Patriots standing. Unfortunately, they need more than that respecting our country and national anthem that they should replace the wokesters with with patriots and start winning again the woman with the purple hair played terribly and spends too much time thinking about radical left politics and not doing her job exclamation point <laughs> oh to which i uh tweeted uh, someone clearly hasn't discovered any new hobbies in retirement yet Andy, what in the world is going on Buddy, he's had time. He could have studied English <laughs> and been able to put together his sentence, first of all. Um, so I want to start with probably the most obvious point. Uh, the one with the purple hair, I'm assuming, is Megan Rapinoe that he's referring to. He posted yes. this the day of the bronze medal game where she had two goals. <laughs> so that's a tough look when you're coming out saying she played terribly on a day she put two in the back of the mm. net. My favorite, my favorite part of the statement, as you already alluded to, like he go, he goes on and he says, there were, however, a few Patriots standing. Like in his statement, he doesn't reference kneeling at all, and he just throws it in there, like we're in his head, following along, along with his crazy word salad. Like he has such a poor grasp of the English language. I really cannot emphasize this enough. Like. George W., you know, couldn't pronounce any words. And again, not saying brightest bulb in the box, but like this statement is like written by a fucking fifth grader. Like, are you serious? Yeah, I mean, that's that's getting like a C plus. That is in, awful. in, in fifth grade, let alone like if you get to high school, that's like a see me after class. Oh, it's like a paper about manifest destiny. Hey, oh. 
if he <laughs> where you said he didn't reference the kneeling look anybody that's with that's reading that statement has already reposted though i'm never eating at subway again because of megan rapino thing so he knows his audience he doesn't have to explain it it's a bunch of fools that are reposting <laughs> i mean where do you even aside to laugh at it where do you even find the statements from donald trump anymore it's not on twitter it's not on facebook because he's still banned from all those platforms the idea that you would be better at a sport because of your politics is listen that that should be stupid but in america today like people believe that so geez i don't even know i mean he does get points for creating the word wokesters which really (laughs) oh man oh he i we can laugh at him now until he's becomes the next president of the united states again in 2024 so oh yeah i won't be here for that (laughs) (laughs) oh all right so that's that's you know the olympics are done goodbye olympics i won't think about any of your you know Olympic specific sports for another three years or whenever the next olympics is so a drive-by shot real quick but the olympics should have never happened it was ridiculous they even held them let's move on Yes, that is that is right. I believe Paris, Paris in 2024. Yeah, that sounds right. I think that's right. Anyways, just a very, very, very the last time we recorded uh, the NBA finals were not complete. Obviously, that's uh, old news at this point. Um, I was rooting for the Phoenix Suns and for Chris Paul to get his first title. But midway through the series, man, both of these franchises are have not won an NBA title in a very, very, very long time. Uh, so I was very happy for Giannis. Uh, uh, Bucks go down 0-2 to the Suns and then go four straight uh, to win the series 4-2. In the final game, Giannis uh, post a 50 spot. Uh, and then on either the next day or the day after, there was a video I saw on Twitter where he went to a Chick-fil-A drive through with the NBA championship trophy between his legs, the Larry O'Brien trophy, uh, and ordered not 49, not 51, but he's like, I want 50 chicken nuggets. And there was a whole crowd out there uh, waiting to celebrate with him. So uh, love Giannis, love the Bucks, love the NBA, and uh, a, a, an excellent NBA finals. A lot of times the NBA finals can, is just going to be one team is clearly better like the Golden State Warriors, and they just slaughter Cleveland. Uh, but this was a very competitive series, very enjoyable to watch. And uh, long live the NBA until next year. Hey, that's a better way to celebrate than going to Disney World. It's safer, too. But, <laughs> man, to show up and say, give me, the, give me the 50 nuggets. I hope he smashed them all himself and had himself a time. Good for him. Right now, today, Andy, could you, do, could you smash 50 nuggets still? No, but I'd make a run. I'd, I'd give it my best, but no, no chance. Yeah, I think I think I still got it. I think I could do 25. it. Twenty five. I think if I got over that, I think the over under would be at the halfway point, and that's sad. Mm. You've lost a step, my friend, and unfortunately, that means <laughs> that's great for you in every other way, except for the fact that you couldn't do fifty ch- chicken nuggets anymore. But unfortunately, I think I could. I think I could match Giannis there. Giannis would have to watch out. I'd be the MVP of chicken nugget eating. So, listen, I'd, I'd go down puking. I mean, <laughs> I'd make a run at it. I'm not gonna. I'm not. I mean, I might embarrass myself, but it's not gonna be because I'm not trying. That was like that reminds me of the one night in high school. I believe it was where 
we got Taco Bell and, and crashed at uh, Jen Justin's house. Oh, and man. in the and and very early in the morning, you leaned over on the couch and threw up right next to my head. And we were both <laughs> so still so drunk slash hungover. I just kind of just like rolled over and just hung out next to the puke stain for another hour or two. Yep. Oh man, that was the night the uh, what was it the Metrodome collapsed, and the next day they were they decided to play Monday Night Football in Detroit, and I I rallied and we went up to Detroit to try and get tickets. We ended up getting them, but. That was that was a hell of a twenty four hours. I John drove me home and I almost threw up in his car. I I did hold it together though. Yeah, that, that was too many tacos for sure. Oh, all right, Andy. To close up sports. Uh, we've had Euros uh, this summer. Uh, we've had some big news in soccer. Uh, what's going on right now? Yeah, Euros were fun. They're done. They're in the rearview mirror. Um, European soccer started today, the, the big leagues. I watched a little bit of the Bundesliga. Um, Dortmund tied Munchengladbach. Probably said that really wrong, but I decided to commit to it. Um, they drew 1-1 this afternoon, so I, I put that on the TV and enjoying that being back. But the big news, Messi, the icon from Paris or from, from Barcelona, he's done. So Barcelona basically uh, – went to apply for the loan to get messy. They went to the bank. They took their W-2s. They took their face up. Said, can we get a messy? And the bank said, you don't got enough money for that, my friend. Is that really what happened? Yeah, that's what happened. That's not exactly what happened. The league has rules on basically balancing your budget. You have to take in enough money to be able to afford it. So you can't just pump that oil money in and buy whatever you want in the Spanish league. And Barcelona just could not make the balance sheet work. So the league said, I know you've come to an agreement on this contract, but we're not going to let you sign it. Wow. I'm going to have to go back and do a lot more reading then because that is way juicier than what I thought it would be. Yeah. So there was, there was drama kind of in the off season that he may or may not come back. He decided to come back. They had totally agreed to the contract. He was going to take a 50% pay cut. And they thought that that would make it work. They thought they'd be able to sell off a couple of other players and, and make the money. I'm not going to pretend that I know exactly how the money works, but they, they thought they were going to be able to pull it together anyway. And the league kind of threw down the hammer and said, we're not going to prove this contract. So he, he, he left for free and he went to Paris, which yep. is probably the worst destination. I hate it. He's reunited <laughs> with Neymar, who I absolutely cannot stand. He's going to make Neymar look great, which is even worse because Neymar is going to spend 70 minutes of the game looking fantastic and 20 minutes rolling around, grabbing his face when he gets clipped in the ankle because that's just the kind of player that he is. And he's a dirtbag and I can't stand him. But wow, tell us how you really feel, Andy. <laughs> yeah, dude, I can't stand Neymar. Um, I mean, he's probably going to tear it up because the French league is really not that great. I mean, Paris is not going to have any competition. It's it's Champions League or bust for them. So it, it'll all be told if it's if it's worth what they're paying him in the Champions League, because I don't see any scenario where they don't just rip through the, the French league. Yeah, I didn't realize that that league was that top heavy. I mean, I know PSG is kind of like the the powerhouse in that league or whatnot, but that's interesting. Yeah, it's it's probably the least balanced of of a lot of the leagues. I mean, Germany is pretty unbalanced too. I think Bayern's won it 
I think they're going for 10 in a row here. Oh, but geez. I mean, yeah, Paris has, has really been dominant in France for quite some time as well. Hmm. Well, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, you said champion, or you said uh, when's the, the the Premier League? Has that have they started already? Yeah, there was a match today. Liverpool actually lost to Brentford, who I didn't even know was in the Premier League. Oh, wow. So it's tough look for Liverpool today, but they started up today as well. And then there'll be a, a whole bunch of matches tomorrow morning. I'll probably be tuned into. Yeah, again, the, the, there's so many good things about the way a soccer match and a, a, the, the the schedule for the whole season is is laid out that I really feel like American sports could could steal some of that. Again, I am totally for Amy. How do you feel about this for hockey? Like if the NBA went to a more European soccer style setup where, you know, we could do, we could have less TV ads, but you know, we would desecrate the jerseys with advertisement. Would you be okay with that? So the NHL does have ads on the helmets now and it doesn't bother do anyone, but yeah, I wouldn't care at all if they put ads on the jerseys. I think the thing that makes that work for soccer is the matches are short, right? I mean, you're, you're in and out and I mean, it's 90 minutes of play, 15 minutes of halftime and 15 minutes of, you know, pre-post. So two hours you're in and out. I don't know if American sports could go to that. I would absolutely love it. I'd, I'd be able to consume a lot more sports if we were able to pare it down to that. So yeah, I'd be a hundred percent in for that. Yeah. I'm trying to remember if the NBA teams have, if the NBA teams have added patches, their jerseys, I know it was bandied about. They're small enough that it really like, you can't really tell a whole lot. It doesn't definitely take it away from the game. And I would totally be fine with it. Again, I don't really own a whole lot in the way of uh, basketball jerseys minus my uh, my Kobe 24 hanging in the closet, RIP. But yeah, the, uh, a thing from Olympic basketball, the little bit that I watched or whatever, and the NBA needs to cut way back. Every sport needs to cut way back on instant replay. Like I feel like sports have been using it now long enough you know, we made the case to say, okay, like the important thing is to get it right. And we're going to re- use it as much as we can to make sure we're getting things right. And I think it is totally taken away from a lot in sports, particularly in basketball, particularly in the last couple of minutes. I don't ever want to see a review on a block charge call. I don't need to see, you know, which fingernail grazed off of when the ball goes out of the bounds for the most part uh let's cut back on instant replay and i think we'll all be heavier yeah i'd be 100 percent in for that cut it in football cut it in basketball i don't even know if they have it in baseball because nobody watches baseball but if they have it <laughs> cut it in there too because those games are way too long um t- in hockey it's the uh where they review of somebody's offside 15 seconds before a goal is scored is it you know is half an inch of his skate blade across the blue line who gives a shit if it looks like a good goal, just call it a good goal and move on. I'd rather do that than have game times creep up into the three-plus-hour range. Yeah, I 100% agree. All right, that's going to wrap us up for sports. Uh, again, you know, the topic that we can't get away from. We have moved into what people are calling a pandemic of the unvaccinated. I don't know where you're at, dude. I'm just, I'm just mad, like, all the time. Every, yes. time, I'm reading, every time I'm reading COVID news you know, existing in society, uh, you know, school year coming up here right around the corner uh, because it feels like, again, you know, the vaccine has been out long enough that everybody 
practically everybody I'll, I'll leave some wiggle room but practically everyone that wants to be vaccinated has been able to be vaccinated for quite a while in this country uh and you know we've we didn't get enough people vaccinated in time that we've had a lot of these uh you know, variants proliferate we're dealing with delta which is uh you know twice as transmissible as the original strain uh you know up to a thousand times higher viral load than the original than the original strain uh and now we're about to go back to school and the appetite for people in this country to do anything anymore has greatly reduced from last year and the variant we're dealing with is more dangerous and i just i just can't with people anymore i just can't yeah, I mean, I think we're arguably in a, a worse position than we were going back to school last year, and everybody's treating it like, uh, you know, game on, let's, let's do whatever, <laughs> back, to, back to normal life, and yikes. I mean, I, I, I'm tired of seeing the argument that anybody, you know, if you want to get vaccinated, get vaccinated, and you should be fine. I mean, one, listen, there's there are breakthrough infections. You can say what you want, that they're rare, but man just from like anecdotal evidence of people that i know they're not that rare because i can tell you five or six people i know personally that are vaccinated that have tested positive so first of all they're not that rare second of all i happen to have a couple of people in my house that couldn't be vaccinated if they wanted to and the second the vaccine's available i'm getting it for them but kids are are catching this so much more kids are ending up in the hospital in, in ways that they weren't last year and it's because people are choosing to let this happen. And, and yeah, I mean, it, being able to have patience with people making decisions that are affecting all of us is, is getting a lot harder. I think that's the nicest way to put it. Yeah, I mean, the problem is, is that like, as with most things, science, right? Like there's, it's never just like black and white. Okay, we did the thing and now it's done. Like everything is constantly evolving. So Yes, it is. So again, like, I want to make it very clear, right? Like, we are in a better spot overall now than we were in, in November and December and January of last year, right? Like, we've gotten a lot more people vaccinated, uh, for starters. Let me pull up my numbers here real quick. Um, you know, we were in the 3,100 or so deaths a week. Uh, at the height of the pandemic in December and the January, uh, you know, a couple months ago, our rolling average had been knocked down into the hundreds. Uh, and, you know, but now we're, now we're creeping back up again. And it's just like, so yes, us, lots of people getting vaccinated uh, is this great thing for sure. Um, but, you know, we have a different variant than we did last year. It is way more transmissible. I think the jury is still out on whether it's actually more lethal uh, or if it's just more the fact that lots more people are getting it. And therefore, when more people get cases, there are more hospitalizations, there are more deaths. You know, we are in a different environment. And last year when we were in school, kids were wearing masks. And now, and you know, at least in my, you know, for my school and in, in your kid's school, it's looking like Masks are highly recommended or recommended, but they're certainly not mandated. Uh, and that's going to be a more dangerous environment for our kids this, this school year. 
Yeah, so that was kind of breaking news, uh, honestly, about an hour before we came down to record today. And that that's, that's t- I mean, that, that was the news that we expected because, you know, private schools, I think, are catering to people that don't want masks. For some reason, that seems to be like a selling point. Uh, you know, last year it was in-person education. And this year, you know, I guess it's not masks. I don't know if pri- private schools probably lean more conservative would be my guess. So, but uh, that's... That's what we expected, but it's certainly not what we hoped because, again, I mean, last year kids were not catching it at the race that they're getting it, and kids were not being hospitalized at the race that we're getting it. So it's it's more dangerous to kids now than it's ever been, and we're going to do less. That, that's a tough look. That's definitely an argument for public school. So, Yeah, I mean, I got my numbers now. We dropped a 188 deaths a week in July, and now we're up to 615 a week rolling average for the country. Um, as we start creeping up as more people, uh, you know, Delta spreads around, uh, it certainly seems like the vaccines are not as effective against this Delta variant. They, they still hundred percent are, and people should still hundred percent get vaccinated. Um, but yeah, it's not, you know, we're not back at what it was at the beginning of the year where these, these vaccines are, you know, 94, 95% effective and breakthrough cases are rare. Yes, they are still relatively rare. If you're going to compare vaccinated people versus unvaccinated people, but they're certainly happening at a, at a higher clip, it seems, than we originally thought they would uh, with this new variant. And again, that's the whole point of, you know, that's a thing that can happen very commonly during pandemics, right? Like the more people who are unvaccinated allows the disease to be, the virus to be in more people. Uh, you know, we select, uh, the virus selects for, uh, variants that are, you know, are, are going to allow it to spread are more transmissible. And lo and behold, we get Delta. Uh, we have Lambda creeping up in South America. We've had some cases here in the United States. Lambda looks like it might have just as much, if not maybe a little bit more ability to uh, escape uh, the vaccines, uh, the neutralizing antibodies and not be as effective. Uh, have those vaccines not be as effective. Nothing to freak out about yet. Uh, but Again, this is not, it's very likely that coronavirus is going to be something that we just, you know, becomes like the flu. We get our yearly shots. It's something endemic to uh, the country. And, you know, once we have vaccinations for kids, you know, it's just something that our kids have to deal with just like the flu, right? Um, but why we're in that spot right now where only 50% of the country or so is fully vaccinated, uh, nobody under 12 is able to be vaccinated yet, unless you're in a clinical trial. Uh, it's still just really rough for people like us who have school-age kids who can't get vaccinated or the people who, you know, have those immunocompromised people in their life who either can't get vaccinated or the vaccine is not as effective uh, for, which just today, on some more breaking news, uh, CDC has officially approved a third dose uh, a second booster for uh, people who have had organ transplants or other severely immunocompromised people uh, who the vaccine uh, might not have been as effective with the first two doses. Uh, I'm curious to see how you feel, Andy, as somebody who got Johnson & Johnson. Uh, it seems like we're trending in a direction. Uh, we don't have official guidance yet where people who got J&J are potentially going to be recommended to get a second dose of something. I don't know if it's going to be J&J or one of the mRNA vaccines. So, you know, you're, you're months out now. Uh, 
you know, I feel like we haven't seen necessarily a ton of news about J&J, but are you still feeling good about it? No, I never really felt good about it. I kind of followed the guidance of uh, the best vaccine is the one available to you. So I, I jumped on that because I thought it'd be tougher to get a vaccine than it turned out to be. And if I would have kind of had 2020 hindsight, I would have absolutely waited the probably two weeks it would have taken to get the Pfizer or the Moderna. So no, um, I don't feel good about it. I never felt good about it. I never felt good about J&J as a company. And I, th- I think I mentioned that in the episode that we did in early April, right after I had been vaccinated. But no, I don't feel great about it. If I do a booster, I sure as hell don't want to do another J&J. Um, and I had to find, you know, experience being vaccinated. I, I didn't have hardly any side effects. You know, I, I woke up the next day, maybe a little bit tired, but that was a, I didn't have any of the injection site pain or the, you know, the real serious fatigue. So my, my experience was not bad. Like I did not have one of those, but no, I, I, I would rather, uh, I think, probably stick something else in my arm next time. Um, I don't regret getting it because at the time, you know, it was the most important thing was to get vaccinated as soon as possible. But no, I, I, I think I would uh, rather go with one of the other options if, if that becomes available to me. And, and I think if that becomes an option where the boosters are available, I'll, I'll get that definitely sooner than later. Yeah, I think I saw that uh, San Francisco was, was allowing people uh, in the area who had had J&J to get a booster. I don't think there's official CDC guidance. And again, I'm not recommending anybody for, as always uh, on this segment of the show, talk to your actual doctor, um, get their opinion, see what they have to say, but it is something that's floating out there for anybody who got Johnson and Johnson. Um, and again, I don't know if you'll actually be able to go get one somewhere again. Like I'm sure you could just walk into a clinic and say, it's your first, dose and get one booster and then disappear off the face of the earth um uh, but uh again talk to your doctor and again just stressing the overall point you know you're you might be thinking to yourself now well you guys are talking about breakthrough cases and this is vaccine really effective the vaccine is still overwhelmingly effective in preventing hospitalizations and deaths and you know yes at the beginning of this pandemic we had hopes that it you know also would prevent you from getting uh, COVID at all it still does seem like there is protection against getting it versus an unvaccinated person to what degree we're still kind of ironing that out it depends on the variant it depends on a whole lot of other factors but these vaccines work if you are not vaccinated please consider getting vaccinated yeah so I you know I, I just spent a little bit of time shitting on the J&J I think but at the same time I still feel fairly comfortable going places I mean I you know, there were times where if I ran into the gas station, I had maybe not put the mask on. That's 100% back on for the last month or so. Um, even when I'm outdoors in public, the mask is back on. But it, I mean, I think the biggest concern with Delta, honestly, to me, isn't even catching it myself because I do believe that my vaccine will keep me safe. And, you know, my risks of having a negative outcome are pretty low, but it's the fact that I could then spread it and bring it home you know, to the kids who are unvaccinated. I think that's really been the switch to, to be my biggest concern. So we actually had tickets to a Harry Connick concert. It would have been last weekend. And, and we decided we just ended up eating them and not going because of concerns of the fact that, yes, we're both vaccinated and we could have gone and probably been okay. And even if we got sick, the odds of, some, uh, of us having a negative outcome are pretty low, but we didn't want to take the chance of bringing that back home or, or you know, 
infecting anybody else that we know. So I do think the game has definitely changed. And I think, you know, some of the things that we were comfortable doing when we had that, that little bit of a summer where, you know, we were at the beginning of the show, we talked about traveling around. I don't think we would go back and do those things again with the way the landscape has changed, but, but definitely get vaccinated. If you haven't yet, it's, it's, it may not be a hundred percent perfect, but it's still definitely the best tool that we have. And the more people to get vaccinated, the less we'll have to worry about this continuing on indefinitely in a super dangerous way like it is right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, April and I kind of sadistically benefit from the fact that like, you know, we have three kids and it's kind of hard to, you know, arrange babysitting for a ton of venturing out. Her and I have gone to the movies now a couple times, but I've worn my mask for, throughout the whole uh, movie. And so has she uh, when we've gone out. And again, we still haven't done a ton of, you know, restaurant eating, for example. We have done some, just her, just her and I, but, um, you know, it's just... I, every time I run in to go do an errand in the public place, it's like I've been wearing a mask for a year. Like I'm just gonna keep wearing it. The place that I like, and again, by no means am I, you know, some kind of paragon of you know perfect pandemic, uh, y- you know, safety. You know, I have really struggled, like, uh, you know, over the last maybe two months or so at work. Like the mask mandate has been removed. I've been vaccinated. Um, my t- whole team has been vaccinated. Uh, so I just haven't really worn one at work. I get to spend a lot of time in my own office. I can shut the door. Uh, but there's a lot of times I'm in the group lab. And now our work has transitioned back to uh, starting this Monday. Masks are now uh, mandatory regardless of vaccination status. And I find myself chafing at it just from a, an, a, an, an, an id instinctual level. Like, oh, I'm vaccinated. But like. Yeah, I mean, as of Monday, you know, the mask is back on, and um, we'll we'll have to hope that we can get cases and hospitalizations and deaths. All of those things are trending up. They're not nearly as bad as they were at the beginning of the year, uh, but we still need the push to get as many people as we can vaccinated. And yeah, the, the masks went, also went back on at, at our workplace, and they they we actually got communication at the end of last week that they're seriously considering mandatory vaccination which would be awesome i'm hoping that's the direction they had so i know some people would probably have been pretty upset to learn that i read that email and i actually fist pumped in celebration of great i hope i would feel so much more comfortable going into work knowing that everybody around me is also vaccinated so let's hope they make the right call on that wonderful segue because that is the very next thing i wanted to talk about um it seems that we have tried all of the different carrots and carrots are done. Uh, we need to move uh, into the era of the stick because, you know, we've had the Ohio, Ohio has a lottery. We've had plenty of states. Uh, and I believe there's some local things here where, you know, you can get a hundred dollar gift card or whatnot. If you get vaccinated, I think they've been targeting some high school kids that way in the Toledo area. Uh, as an incentive to try and get them vaccinated or some college kids. Um, But it doesn't seem like it's really moved the needle in any particular way. The latest scuttlebutt is we're looking at about Labor Day for the FDA to fully approve the Pfizer vaccine. I do not know if that's going to be just 16 and up or if that will also include the 12 to 16-year-old cohort uh, that got approval later on. Uh, but I fully anticipate in the next month or so, 
Pfizer will be fully approved. And I think that almost immediately after that happens, we are going to see a slew of businesses, big and small, start mandating it uh, and make it a requirement that as of X date, you must be vaccinated uh, in order to continue working here. And I think that is going to be the thing that will finally move the numbers in a significant way uh, and get us closer to a higher percentage. Again, I'm not even going to say herd immunity, but I mean, I have not read up lately on if that's even still somewhat of a possibility that we can consider with the Delta variant and how transmissible it is and breakthrough cases and whatnot. Uh, But that should go a long way towards protecting our kids uh, in schools and and stopping community spread. Uh, But I think that we've we've already seen companies go that way uh and and have some mandate that i believe you know you've had family affected by that yeah uh, my, my dad got a vaccine because they made him right and i think that you know there is firm legal precedent for for employers to be able to mandate that i think there are quite a few that don't want to have the shaky ground that they have right now and the fact that the vaccine is only emergency use authorized um and are waiting for that full approval uh before they mandate it but i imagine that there will be a ton a ton of companies that mandate it uh in the next month or so and again they're going to give their employee you know their employees you know probably two months or so as my guess three months or so uh, to be fully vaccinated, you know, with how long the gap is between some of these vaccines. I think it's coming, and I think there's going to be a lot of upset people. I think there's going to be a lot of protesting in the streets. Uh, but at the end of the day, you're, I think a lot of people who are upset about it are going to say, I need a paycheck, and they're going to get vaccinated. And if they hate it, I don't care. And I would just be glad that we we get to that point where many, many more people are vaccinated. Listen, if there's one thing America gives a shit about, it's money. <laughs> like, it's literally the only thing that a fair number of Americans care about. Like, they would, I think, literally shoot their neighbors if they could get 0.001% better returns on their IRAs and not have a second thought about it. I don't care. I believe it. <laughs> you can think that that's a tough take, but I think there's people in this country who don't give a shit about anything but money. So that might be the way you have to hit them with it. Um, I mean, as far as the legal ground, absolutely. I mean, my wife worked for a, a certain large green monster that in, in Toledo that shall remain nameless, but a, a hospital system. And she had to get a flu shot every year. Or I think, I think the option was to get a flu shot or wear a mask. And I mean, we're talking mid 2010s here so yeah I, I, you can do that and i i think it's great because i don't think that that people i i think there's a large group of people that aren't going to do it unless you absolutely force their hand so that would be a great way to force their hand you know dip into the one thing that they care about which is the old bank account and say hey that's fine you know you don't have to get the vaccine if you don't want to but <laughs> you're not going to be working here i hope that's the way things go because i think that's the only way we're going to get to the place we need to be i absolutely think that it's time for sticks i mean yeah. I, I i don't know if you saw the the story out of new orleans to get into the superdome to get into bars to get into uh, i think it's i mean you know places where they have theaters uh, concert venues they're doing this in columbus as well you're they're going to require proof of vaccination some places it's a proof of vaccination or a negative test but it's it's one or the other at, at least 
Um, I think we should absolutely start bringing that. I would love it if we brought that to Toledo tomorrow that, Hey, if you want to show up to things, that's, that's fine, but you got to show up with your vaccination card. Yeah. I'm, I'm all about it. And again, for all the people listening, like you, you went to school, like you've already, you've already been forced by the government to get vaccinated for all of these things that you got vaccinated for in, in the early part of your life. This is going to be something that's going to be fully approved by the FDA. For all the people that have sat here and said, I'll get vaccinated once the vaccine is fully approved, that is certainly your right to have that. Thinking about it for more than two seconds, the vaccine has been taken by millions and millions of people already. There's no way in the world it's not going to be fully approved. Yes, maybe you'll get some official you know, writers about how there's a one in a million chance that you might have, uh, you know, some heart issues and and here's things to watch out for, you know, that we've already, that have already been reported. Uh, There's no way in the world that, you know, Labor Day is going to roll around and FDA is going to be like, no, just kidding. We're not going to fully approve this. So that is your right to wait and, and look at the final report and see, see the data as much as you can. But again, this vaccine is going to be fully approved in, in September. Uh, and there's about 20% of people who are unvaccinated who say that's the thing they're waiting for. So I want you people to put your money where your mouth is. And when that happens, I want you to be first in line to go get vaccinated. Uh, and let's and let's get those numbers up and let's let's uh, crush the spread of this of this disease. Hey, if, if that were the way it actually played out, I would love it. I don't believe for a second that's going to happen because they'll just come up with some other excuse. But, man, that would be great if if that's all that people were waiting on. It's amazing that the government that we can't trust for anything, all of a sudden, you know, the FDA who lies and, and is covering up 40,000 deaths in one day or whatever bullshit they say is is suddenly, you know, the, the paragon of honesty and that's all we're waiting on. I, I I can't get past the cognitive dissonance that must require, but Hey, if that's the one thing you're waiting on, that's great. So the last thing I want to say on COVID before we we transition out of this topic is, as I said earlier, like I've just been like angry a lot lately, especially around how COVID has gone. And uh, I was kind of just, you know, doom scrolling through Twitter, uh, nothing crazy. And I, I happened upon somebody had retweeted this verified person's account. And I went on their profile and I was like, oh, I just saw like a lot of news associations. And it starts in such a way where it's like NBC, ABC. So like, oh, this is like somebody who's actually like a legitimate news person. I didn't really read it. It goes to, from, you know, from there eventually to the Washington Times, Fox OAN and whatnot. And I hadn't really seen that. And this person was basically going on this long rant about how, you know, vaccines weren't safe and and all the anti-vax bullshit or whatever. And in one of her threads, she links to, this person's name is Emily Miller. She links to an article and the article's title is essentially why vaccine mandates are bad. And it's from a doctor. Uh, and basically says that, no, not everyone needs to be vaccinated. So I read through this story. It's like, you know, allegedly a real doctor. And there's some points that are made in there. And, you know, maybe there's food for thought in there. But in that very article that she's quoting from, this this doctor says, essentially, uh, those who choose not to get vaccinated are making a poor health decision at their own individual risk. And so 
I was like, so I made this comment. I didn't really think much of it. Come to find out that this person was also in August of 2020 appointed the assistant commissioner for media affairs at the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. So Trump had appointed her to be uh, in a press position for the FDA until she was dismissed from her position after only 11 days and has no scientific background. So again, people, just be careful. As we always say, think about who your sources are. Think about, you know, what the data actually says. Look with a skeptical eye on what you are reading because there's so much bullshit out out there and there's only one place that you won't find bullshit that you'll just find the God's honest truth. And that is on this podcast. It's this podcast, people. (laughs) Listen, I think we need to revamp the the school system at this point. And I mean, maybe, I mean, I think kids now probably make smarter decisions than, I mean, if we look at the people that are spreading ridiculous things on Facebook, my guess is that it's probably not the, uh, you know, 18 to 24 demographic. But man, let's make sure that in schools, kids are being taught to evaluate sources. Do you remember we were in the library at Old Central Catholic High, where someone gave us a PowerPoint about dihydrogen monoxide. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so it's, it's probably classic. I'd imagine, you know, at least some of the listeners have heard this before, but it's, it's water, right? Spoiler yeah. alert, dihydrogen monoxide is water. And it talks about how it's this dangerous thing and it kills, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of people every year, but also is vital for life. And, and the whole point of the idea is uh, evaluate your sources, figure out what angle people are trying to get. Man, I hope that they are teaching kids to evaluate sources. And I hope that, you know, things like uh, realdoctor.org are uh, <laughs> treated the same way that Wikipedia was in our day of don't bring that bullshit into my classroom. Yeah, I'm willing to compromise with you boomers. Like we can put the like home act personal finance you know, how to change a light bulb class back in high school. That's totally fine. But you got you to gotta cave and say, okay, like you're going to go to remedial, you know, internet source class uh, and get your license to go on the internet. Because again, it's just, the stuff that you guys are posting is, is, is ridiculous. It's crazy town. Man, if they had something akin to a driver's test to get like an internet license, there'd be like 12 people in this state with facebook <laughs> i don't even know if you and i would make it oh man you can make you can make shit like especially now with stuff you can do with like deep fakes and stuff like that like you can make anything on the internet appear like something legitimate if you really put some effort into it you really gotta like it's really hard you really gotta like actively be looking to think like hey is this person just full of shit are they a grifter are they trying to sell something? Are they a troll? It's just crazy. But also you have people that are reposting things that like clearly they've just taken the eraser and MS Paint and wrote the words that they wanted <laughs> to in there and people are posting it like it's true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got both sides of the coin for sure. All right, everybody. Talk to your doctor and get your vaccine. That's it for COVID talk. Um, yeah, and, and put the mask back on. I mean, you can you can argue if you want to about if it works or not listen it's it's a mask it's a little piece of cloth that you have to put over your face it's not gonna kill you it's not a big deal i have a four-year-old that literally will see a bunch of people around and be like oh we gotta put on our mask because there's lots of friends here and 
there's absolutely no negative effects. He just realizes if there's a lot of friends around, put the mask on. If he can figure it out, you can figure it out. Yep. All right. This next topic that we're going to run out of the show with news, miscellany, uh, you know, kind of just a little bit of whatever here and there. Uh, one thing I, I want to do a 10 second rant on real quick. If this was, this came out of one of the hometown uh, news stations. If I had to read one more fucking article about how gas prices are up this year over last year, I am going to lose my mind. Andy, was there anything that was happening last year that might have maybe made it so people drove less and there was less of a gasoline demand? Um, are you talking about euros? <laughs> I mean, I stayed home and watched euros pretty much every. I mean, every weekend I was there was like a nine o'clock game, a noon game, and a three p.m. game, so I didn't drive anywhere. So I mean, yeah, euros were definitely cut into my gas consumption. News news people. Don't be this dumb. We were locked down for a, a good chunk of last year to the point in the United States of America, the hyper-capitalistic society that car insurance companies sent checks to people, gave refunds to people because they were saving so much money from people driving so much less that they were just like, you know what? here's some free money because we're making so much money off of this lockdown. If you've ever seen a, a set of big companies in this country, turn their nose up and, and give away free money, you know that some major shit was happening. So I swear, if I read one more article about this, I'm going to find who the author was, find them on Twitter and put them on blast because don't be that fucking idiot that writes that story. Dude, I had to Google, do you have to get an oil change every year if you don't drive enough miles? Like, <laughs> that's how it's affected. I, ha I haven't gotten an oil change since April of last year because I've driven like 1,200 miles. Oh my and I'm not trying to change my oil every 1,200 miles. Get oh. out of here with that. I literally had to Google that because I was like, wait, does the oil like go bad? I don't know. I've never not had my oil changed like that. And obviously I'm not a car guy. Just... But the one that gets me is where people post like average price of gas, 315, average price of this, just saving this so it comes up in my timeline next year. Fuck you guys. <laughs> oh, the prices really aren't too different than you know, the summer, the pre- covid summers uh in the, in the trump years so just what whatever people like whatever your angle is so be it i don't care it, it's dumb i don't know what you want me to say yeah but in trump's america this would have never happened because he would have just said it never happened <laughs> and people would have believed it Ugh. yeah yeah that's the uh the, the gas prices one is fucking brutal but i mean what do you expect rough rough um okay spaceman uh jeff bezos kind of sort of went to space for a second uh, yeah defend, de defend your boy <laughs> he's not my boy no, i'm not i don't know if you made him my boy because it has to do with space yep but uh, i did yep that's exactly yeah. why <laughs> i figured questionably he went to space look if i could have possibly defended that when he got back it was like Thanks to all my employees and people that buy shit on Amazon for sending me to space. Like, fuck you, dude. No chance. 
Yes. I wanted to ask you a philosophical question based on that quote. Yeah. What, like, when do you think that, like, uber rich people, like, lose their, like, sense of reality and, like, existing society with the other, like, 99% of people? Like, where along the line from, like, again, I don't know anything about Jeff Bezos, and I assume that he wasn't, like, you know... He's not Trump and he wasn't born to, you know, a, a millionaire, billionaire type. Maybe he was. I don't know. But there's plenty of I'm sure there's plenty of multimillion and billionaires who like they actually grew up middle class or whatever and and came into this, you know, mind blowing amount of wealth. Like where along the line do you think that they like become somebody who like, I don't know, there are probably like aliens and gorillas that I have more in common with than like Jeff Bezos, like. When do you think that happens? The sixth billionth? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a picture of him. It was him and Elon Musk, and they were just like chilling in a house wearing PJs. And and I, I remember looking at that picture, thinking it was weird. Like, wow, they just look like people. Which I mean, I guess they are. Theor- like you said, theoretically they are. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. But that that was a a tough look from a guy whose companies are not necessarily known for being good to their employees to come back and thank them. I mean, that's, that, that's a whole level of cocky and that was a tough look. Yeah. I wonder if I'm not defending any of that. I'm not even defending. If you said he didn't go to space, I think I would (laughs) probably support you on that. Even he didn't go to space in his penis rocket. So I don't, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. That would do. That was the thing from, uh, was it Austin Powers 2 where Dr. Evil <laughs> makes the giant dick rocket? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was totally the design. What a what a quote that was from Bezos. Like just ridiculous. Oh, just just come back and hit him with like the triple middle finger. I don't even know where the third finger came from, but he was flipping people off left, right, and center. Yeah, but that's the thing, man. I don't even know if he like knew it. Like I just think he's so just out, not. Of, out of touch with, with reality that. I don't know. Okay, so I had followed the story. I had seen the guest host, but I did not watch a ton of Jeopardy post Trebek. Again, RIP. Um, so you know, we had a bunch of you know guest hosts cycle through, and and I haven't read this story. And so, see if you can explain this to me, that would be great. How in the world? After searching for a new host for Jeopardy, do the new host end up being the executive producer of the show who ran the search, who I couldn't pick Mike Richards out of the lineup if you, you know, you put a gun to my head and a gun to my family's head. And Maya Bialik, of all, of all people, again, I have some affection for her from uh, Big Bang Theory, but like, how in the world is this where we ended up? Yeah, so I've seen a lot of takes that this is bad, and I, I don't buy it at all. So I'm, I am I watched some people. I tried to catch a lot of the people, at least one episode, to see what I thought. Mm-hmm. I thought Anderson Cooper was great. I thought LeVar Burton was pretty cool. I thought Aaron Rodgers was terribly awkward, but somehow endearing at the same time. <laughs> I didn't catch any of the Mike Richards, I'll be honest. So, I, I mean, to me, Mike Richards played for the Philadelphia Flyers and – uh clearly not the same guy because that was a very quiet Mike Richards and he played in the NHL and I don't think it's the same dude so I don't I don't know anything about Mike Richards I'll be honest I didn't catch any of those Mayim was good 
Like she she kept the show moving. She added just enough humor to keep things going because you know Trebek had a little bit of that humor, but didn't get in the way of the show. And I watched a fair number of her episodes. I thought she was great. So if people are saying that she's not a good pick, I don't know where they're coming from because I thought she was really good. I my mom watched quite a bit of it. We had a, a back and forth. We both had that impression that that she was really good. So it wasn't just me. I can at least confirm that that my mom also thought that that Mayim was good. So I don't know where the hate on her is coming at all, because I actually thought she was fantastic. And I, I was hoping that, that she would have a shot at it after watching her go. So if people didn't like her, that's their problem. Okay, I have an answer for you. So here's I will divide this up into two parts. My objection, I think, is mainly with the Mike Richards part, because, again, like, who the fuck is Mike Richards? Um and again, it just sounds so preposterous that the, the, the guy running the search ends up being on there or whatever. The Maya Bialik thing, I like her quite a bit. And I, I did watch a little bit of clips when I was prepping for the show. Again, PhD neuroscientist uh, as somebody that I found very charming in Big Bang Theory. Um, I don't have any issue with her. The objection that you're seeing in the Twitter sphere is, you know, obviously anybody who comes to prominence, you know, we dig up all of their worst takes or whatever. And apparently at some point in the, you know, in the, uh, you know, the culmination of the Me Too era with Weinstein going to jail, she had written an op-ed in either like the New York Times or the Post that was basically like in defense of Harvey Weinstein. And it was like, there was a lot of like, well, I, you know, with the way I dress and I don't really socialize with men a lot, kind of protects me from being sexually assaulted uh you know just a really bad a really really bad take on that i think it doesn't have anything to do with her actual uh performance on the show it's it's combination of that there's some uh there's some vaccine lukewarmness from her uh that that surfaced a bit over the last time but i think it's it's largely her pseudo defense of harvey weinstein i think that has made people not thrilled but i i like her quite a bit um and mike richards good luck to you whoever you are um because i don't know anything about you so yeah i didn't know anything about that i'd have to look more into it because i don't know anything about it if if she did write that op-ed that would maybe be a little bit disappointing but it's i guess i can only speak from what i saw from the the bit that i watched of her actual performance I thought she was pretty good. I thought she kind of captured the spirit of Trebek, which was really important to me, I think, was that, you know, people kind of approached the show the way that he did. There were a couple of people that I watched that it felt like they really got in the way of this show. Yeah. And like like Dr. Oz is one where I was just like, okay, like <laughs> you're, you're, I mean, probably not somebody I was going to particularly like off the hop anyway, but like, it's like, eh, like you're, you're kind of getting in the way of the show. Like you're, you're talking too much, like shut up and read the clues a little bit. Like you, you can add a little bit of sauce to it, but at the same time, like Trebek never got in the way of the show. He facilitated the show while keeping it interesting. And I thought that, you know, Mayan did that. I, I think uh, Anderson Cooper would have been my number one choice. Cause I thought he was absolutely fantastic, but I, I don't even know if he would have taken that if he could have, I mean, I know he's got a lot going on. So right. But I, I thought he felt, honestly, in the most spirit of Trebek, I thought he did the best job of of striking that balance between keeping the show moving and and adding just a, a little bit of color to it. But I, but I thought Mayim was right up there in that next group. So, yeah, I mean, performance-wise, she deserves it. 
Anderson Cooper has that kind of like wry, kind of little self-deprecating type of humor that I think you know does kind of remind me of Trebek. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, he I, could be Canadian. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. And uh, just to close this topic out, fuck Doctor Oz. So that's that's all you gotta yeah. say about it. So, um, a topic you had brought up, I had I had actually did watch some of this. Um, I'm glad it was on your radar as well. Uh, talk to me about what you uh, saw of the uh, January 6th commission testimony. I mean, it, it, it was rough. Like, you know, watching the officers talk about the things that were said to them. If you're somebody that supported that, listening to the things that, that your boys were saying, especially to the one officer were ridiculous where I don't know if you saw the testimony and I apologize that I can't remember his name, but the one officer said he had, he'd never been called the N word in anger before. Yeah. And, and then in, when he said that he voted uniform. for Biden. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That the, the people said, Oh, you know, this, this, this N word thinks that he can say that he voted for it. was it, it, I mean, it was, it was legitimately like I got a stomachache listening to the, the things that were said to this guy. So this was fucking ridiculous. And at the same time, I think it was just just watching the way that a, a vast majority of Republicans just don't even give a shit that they just watch that. And they're just like, yeah, that was just some people going out and having a nice little protest like that. That doesn't bother you is is concerning to me. I mean, I, I'm past being concerned. I honestly I don't even think this country's redeemable anymore. And that might be a, t- a hot take at the end of the show. But I don't even know if we can be redeemed. But that was kind of tough to just hear that and then just have people's reaction just be like, yeah, I yeah, I heard that, but I don't really care. Yeah, I mean what you know, uh back the blue ex- I didn't realize there was an exception clause in there for Capitol Police. Uh and back the blue. Um Back the yeah. blue doesn't actually mean back the blue. Yeah, yeah. I think we, yeah, I think we've stated that in a previous episode, and, and you guys know exactly what it means. So, um, yeah, I don't. I think we've had another two, uh, at least one police, uh, capital police officers commit suicide. Um, you know, over the last, uh, maybe it's just been reported, and it, it's something that happened a while ago. But I, I thought it was more recent than that um you know uh and and yet you had uh there was a republican congressman who who came out and said he's been receiving letters from jail from the one six insurrectionist eating of course he didn't call them that about the horrible conditions they're being subjected to and it's just like i just think that like i don't know if the divide is so wide now that it just can't be crossed it can't be bridged anymore like I feel like there are, you know, people in this country that just their view of reality is so different than, than mine that I just don't know how, you know, if you can't even approach, can't even agree to a set of facts anymore. Like today, also, Andy, today is Friday, August 13th. Uh, today is another day in the Q calendar of a day that Donald Trump was supposed to be reinstated as president of the United States this year. You're like, if we can't even like be in the same plane of reality, like how do we move forward and how do we bridge the gap? I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what the answer is. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if it's when 
Trump is no longer a viable option. I mean, I don't even think that that's going to, honestly, because I think he's he's groomed the next generation of absolutely insane people that I don't even think it's going to end when he's no longer a viable option to to be the president. And honestly, I, I don't I don't think he can be alive and people see him as that. So I, I honestly think it's going to be whenever he's he's no longer with us <laughs> that people we'll see him as not a viable option, but I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is because it's absolutely that it's people that are just living in a, in a totally different world. And I don't know how we can ever come to a, a sort of agreement when we can't even agree about facts that are so plainly obvious. It's like, if, if you don't see, if you don't see that as an attack on our country. I, I, no, I really, I, I don't even know where to go with that. I, I, and that, and that's the thing. It's like, I don't, I, I don't think it goes away with Trump. Like the, the heir apparent uh, in the GOP, like is, let's say for example, Trump is jailed. Trump, you know, has a medical issue. Trump just changes his mind and decided he's not going to run again or whatever. Uh, you know, the, there's a very clear heir apparent in Ron DeSantis, the Florida governor uh, yeah. who has, you know, uh, you know, agreed to bl- sign a bill that's blocking, you know, mass mandates and vaccine mandates in his estate, uh, threatened to withhold the uh, paychecks of, of school employees who try to enforce those mandates. Uh, Florida, I believe, as in the last week or so, if you take all the countries of the world and you uh, kind of sprinkle in the worst of the United States, I think Florida by itself is like sixth in the world in new cases. Um, uh, They are just on fire right now as far as having, you know, COVID spread throughout their state uh, based on uh, on the policies his his government has enacted. Um, And so he's Trump Jr. He is is the CPAC second place winner um, as far as, you know, who people want to see as the next president of the United States after Trump. Uh, and he's relatively young, I think, politically and, and can be around for quite some time. Uh, so I, I just don't think this is going anywhere. And the issue is just like there's always been people who have ble- believed fringe, crazy, radical, distorted views of reality in this country. And not just on the right side, on, on the on the left side, too. Right. Like there's certainly crazies on, on all parts of the spectrum. Uh, it just feels like that number is just growing and growing and there's just an increasingly large part of the country that just can't seem to agree on the most basic of things. So, yeah, that's a bit of a depressing way to, uh, to kind of wind to a close here. I don't, <laughs> it's, 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 it's tough out there. Well, uh, do we want to talk about Twitter suspending your girl? Marjorie Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that'll bring the mood up a little right? bit. I think that's hilarious. Um, I don't, I actually, I don't even know if hilarious is, is the right word because I, I love to laugh at her, but at the same time, she is terrifying that, 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 that people look at, uh, magic, the gathering and think that she is. Uh, <laughs> wow. You just blew you like, my mind right there. That was amazing. You like that? Yes. Oh my <laughs> I thought goodness. You'd enjoy that. <laughs> Yes, because that's what I think in my head every time I see her initials. So, well yeah. done. Okay. The, the fact that people look at her and think that she's like sane, that so, she's like, I, I mean, 
<laughs> I think there, I think there is something very interesting with her to follow, and it's going to be next year, right? Like the district that she is in, I believe, is overwhelmingly Republican. There's no way in the world that's not going to be a Republican in that seat. However, I'm curious to see like what her primary numbers are going to look like next year in comparison to the 2020 numbers. I think it's going to be somewhat indicative of of where we're going over the next couple of years. My guess is she is actually going to come down and, you know, why she might still end up being the, the candidate that comes out of the primary and therefore gets elected to Congress. You know, I, I think her numbers might go down and trending like, okay, like you're a little bit too off the deep end, even for us, or is it going to go the other way? And the crazy part of the party is the majority of the party and her, and her gap. Uh, between her and the other people in the field goes up. And I think that will be a very scary indicator of where we're going in the future. Yeah. I mean, I, you, you know that she is probably one of my least favorite people in America. And she's just so nat. Like, I don't know how you could support that. The way she treats other people, like, and then, like, you know, claims to be Christian after that. Like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> I know I, I've, I've largely tried to avoid talking about her because she really gets me going, but I, I, there was a part of me that just really enjoyed her getting suspended from Twitter. I mean, I was honestly a little bit surprised that it was like, that, that it was vaccine misinformation that got her in the end and that it wasn't like, you know, actively openly inciting violence against any number of groups of people. So I guess good for her that it was just mere spreading total lies about vaccines and not like, you know, advocating people to murder people in the streets. Cause I don't think that that's out of the question for her, but yeah, geez, uh, people in Georgia, like Georgia, you saved us. <laughs> like, come on, step it up, Georgia. Like I, I want to love you. And if you guys, if you conservative people in Georgia say this is too much, I mean, I will, I will love your state for, I will root for the Bulldogs. I'll wear a Georgia Bulldog shirt every day for a month. If you guys say that enough is enough and boot her out. <laughs> oh, see, I don't, she doesn't bother me as much as you, because I just view her as like the clown in the circus. The other person that you put on here, as far as Twitter suspension, it's people like Rand Paul that bother me way more. Because he's, he, I, I'm confident that he's smart enough to know better. Whereas I'm not confident that I could say the same thing about MTG. Um, Ram Hall is a doctor. It's a legitimate doctor who went to medical school. Uh, I don't know what specifically he got put in timeout for by Twitter. But it came out this week that uh, his Ram Paul's wife, Senator Ram Paul's wife, bought a ton of stock in Gilead who makes one of the drugs that was used in the early part of the pandemic as kind of a treatment drug, not as a preventative vaccine. And that apparently like, this is the first time that she's like specifically bought like a, you know, singled out stock in, in forever, ever. So Rand Paul, a doctor, an alleged smart person and somebody in the Senate privy to more knowledge than almost any person in the country takes that knowledge and and uses it to you know enrich himself off of his wife by you know buying up stock for a drug that might potentially be super important in the pandemic it's just it's heinous it's awful i know rich people don't really get prosecuted in this country but i mean what else do you 
you know, need for an insider trading type charge. Like, ah, it's it's gross. It's horrible. So, so two things. First of all, the grossest part of that story isn't even anything to do with the fact that it was insider trading. It was there's a company called Gilead. I know I don't know that you watch uh, Handmaid's Tale, but whew, that's a little bit scary. Oh yeah, for a lot uh, of reasons. Oh, they're that a big the pharma- name- big pharmaceutical company. Yeah, well, G- Gilead is the name of a, a new America there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean, they threw Martha Stewart in jail for how long? I mean, she went to jail for a while, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, like I can't imagine it was probably even anything nearly as heinous as that. Oh, I don't, I don't even know anymore. Um, I mean, good news, we're moving towards a. Uh, uh, a bipartisan infrastructure deal it just seems that fi- the one thing that you know the government can't agree on is that fixing roads and bridges and and getting internet to people seems like a good idea so that's uh that's encouraging i uh was surprised to see any republican senator vote for any democratic sponsored piece of of legislation so uh kudos to the biden team for that um we'll be due up here for the next round of child tax credit uh payments coming here pretty soon uh but it just goes back to the point that i made in a previous episode like i feel like democratic presidents just have to spend all of their time fixing the messes from the previous republican president and again we get the you know the what was it the idc or ipec the the climate global warming is worse than we think it is a report that comes out and it's just like you know we're gonna spend a lot of capital just trying to get people vaccinated recover the jobs that were lost during the pandemic and you know are we really going to make a significant push for climate change uh, to help fix climate change when we are have just been told over and over that we're running out of time it's worse than we think uh it's just you know, that thing that, you know, we, you know, in several decades from now, you know, are we going to look back and are we going to feel terrible about what our children and grandchildren are inheriting? Uh, it's just, it's, it's not, it's not super happy times. Several, several decades from now, some of us are going to look back and feel that way. And some of us are going to look at their 401ks and see what's in it and not give a shit about what the planet looks like. Yeah. It's just so. I've used the word gross so many times today, but it's just like, <laughs> it's like, we can make, we can make this economic, like an, a good economic opportunity. Like, I feel like what I read over and over is that economists agree that like investing into all of this clean energy and being the leaders in this new technology field, like it would be economically advantageous. Yes. There would be immediate short-term pain. Um, but there would definitely be some long-term gain. And I'm so sick and tired. Like, and again, maybe this is just me being a little bit too too online. Maybe I need to put the phone away. Uh, but I'm so tired of reading about personal responsibility in regards to climate change. Yes, there are things that you and I and, and our listeners can do in their household, uh, change their habits. You know, if you could work remotely and, and not have to commute as much, there's all these things that we can do to to limit our carbon footprint great sure that is all true but it just pales in comparison to you know what the fossil fuel industry you know those big companies what they contribute 
to the mess and what they can do to fix it by, you know, you know, having to sink a lot of money, but, you know, doing things that are better for the environment and not better for their bottom dollar. So yes, sure. We should all be environmentally mindful, but you know, this is something where let's, let's, focus the laser at the actual, you know, culprits in this uh, and not, and not try and diffuse the blame amongst everybody when overwhelmingly it has been these, these companies uh, who have contributed the most uh, to climate change. Yeah. I mean, I think if we just look at COVID and, and see how we've handled things by putting responsibility in the hands of people to do the right thing, I think that's a, pretty great example of that ain't gonna work so we're gonna have to come up with some (laughs) some policies for corporations if we want to actually make a difference yeah and again like it's you know there is no mandate right now for people for for companies to mandate that their employees get vaccinated right companies are just doing that because it is good for their bottom line to have a healthy uh and a you know a workforce that shows up to work because they don't have covid uh, so again, like there are economic things that we can do to incentivize this transition away from fossil fuels and into some cleaner energy. Uh, so again, let's do those things. Let's not, uh, let's try to not bend over backwards for the lobbyists for these industries, which I know our government can't do, uh, but let's try our best to at least make some real honest improvements. I can't wait until we make improvements and investments in electric cars to the point where they're affordable and also have you know reasonable amounts of range to them i think electric cars are absolutely the future and i hope that the next gas car i buy is the last gas car i buy and that you know by the by by the time i make that next purchase electric is going to be just the norm because i think there's so much exciting stuff about electric cars and i can't wait for that feature to come yeah, I want to say this bipartisan deal has somewhere in the magnitude of like 15 to 50 billion or so for electric like charging stations or whatever. But the actual like budget reconciliation bill that has a lot like, again, the bipartisan deal is like the bare minimum of what everybody can agree on. Uh, and it doesn't have as much climate stuff as we would nearly like. The budget reconciliation bill has like Biden wanted like 700 billion something. Uh, for the electric car conversion that we're going to need in this country to have charging stations all across the country. So again, this can be done. Uh, you know, there is a party in this country, not perfect, lots of warts, uh, but they are, they are on the side, on the right side of this argument. Um, and certainly something to consider uh, each November as you go to vote um, for what you want your children and grandchildren to inherit. And, and and that's as political as I will be in this episode. But the gas prices. But my gas prices. Oh. <laughs> oh. And suddenly, again, like, here's a, again, going back to one of the golden rules of this show. If you don't know about something, just shut your mouth and just don't, you don't need to contribute to the conversation. I don't know how many people in my day to day life has somehow overnight become Nobel level economists that are telling me all about inflation and like how all of this spending or the Democrats spending is going to make everything cost a bajillion dollars and, and blah, blah, blah. Like, can you even tell me like the, you know, most basic three sentence, you know, definition and implications in inflation? No, 
None of you can. None of you took none of you took economics in college. None of you have read or thought about this for more than a second. So I don't want to hear it again. Just like gas prices, you know. Yes, people, much smarter people uh, than me are keeping an eye on inflation, and that's good enough for me. Shut up about it. Yeah, I, I got nothing better to say than that. All right, man. I thought we would have so much stuff that there wasn't even really going to be time for me to prep a list of the week, and I didn't. So is there anything that jumps to mind, or is there anything you want to say before we close this thing out? No, I kind of I, – I mean, I, I threw out my uh, – at the beginning, I threw out my top five characters from Game of Thrones. I could throw out my uh, worst five to end the show just for a little bit of the sake of tradition if you want me to hit you with that. Yes. Okay. So – do do do! It's your list of the week. It's the list of the week. All right, that was not the uh, normal bubbly <laughs> intro that we have, but we'll go with it. <laughs> uh, all right, go ahead and give me your five least favorite characters that you have seen so far in season one, Game of Thrones. Season one, uh, number five character Sansa. Get it together! I imagine that you know. She's going to have to make a choice one way or the other, but she is just going with the flow. She is not really sticking up for the fam in a way that I feel like, you know, the honor of the family is at stake and she's just kind of going with whatever. So Sansa, you're on the shit list, but you're at number five. So you have a chance to turn it around here and uh, we'll, we'll see where you head. Okay. Here's into the later seasons. Here's my commentary real quick. Again, I want to be completely spoiler free um, when I do this. Uh, this I'm surprised she's not a little bit higher because again both in the books and in the show she starts out she is she is the whiny princess she is that stereotype for sure Um, but dude it gets dark for her Um, yeah I I imagine there's a lot of her story left to tell I think you will like as the show goes on you will come to like her and I'm I think I'm going to say that phrase quite a bit yeah, again as you as you go through your list uh but it is dark for her uh through a stretch of the show so uh but yes yeah, season one for sure uh she is that naive sweet summer child and uh and 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 i'll be interested to see what you think of her as the show goes along all right number four number four um this is a really obscure character i doubt she even has a name but that dothraki lady that killed the horse she was supposed to be the healer. She ended up with uh, Dragon Lady's kid ended up dying. Oh, yes. Jason um, Momoa ended up dying. But when she cut the horse's throat, that was a bit much. So fuck that lady. I can't imagine she's going to be coming back in the show, but she pissed me off and made the list. Yeah, I forget what her name is. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, she, she's, uh, she's not great. Not great for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure she's done in the show, and I, I imagine this will be her one and only appearance on the uh, list of worst characters. But man, cutting up that horse really pissed me off. So she made the list. All right, number three. <laughs> number three, the uh, <laughs> the Lannister brother that fucks his sister, Jamie, I think is Jamie. Name? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that dude is gross. <laughs> The, the, uh, honestly the only reason he wasn't higher on the list was the fact that he got captured and then uh mama stark was throwing rocks at him and it was pretty amusing to see him get hit in the face so i think that actually kept him from being higher on the list interesting i 
I think your opinion of this character will change over the course of the show. I'm I'm interested to see. He is he is probably you know and again and I'm going to say this, you know, people's arcs over the course of the story will not all not everybody will make it through the season 8. And so I'm not saying this as a spoiler as the pe- these people survive or these people don't. He's probably easily a top 5 favorite arc over the course of the show. So curious to see what you think of him as the show goes on. So that means that uh, if if Jamie's on the list, my guess is Sister Cersei is also on this list. Is she at number two? She's at number two. <laughs> She's at number two because she didn't get hit in the face. Honestly, if it had been her that got hit in the face with rocks, she'd have been at three and he'd have been at two. So that was the only redeeming thing. Both of them are nasty. She's just a little bit more nasty the way she talked to Sansa. I know Sansa sucks in my opinion, but Man, the only time I think I ever felt bad for her was was where they were sitting at the table talking about how Ned was a traitor and was her, Cersei was just being a total. Oh, she was being nasty about it. So yeah, she's number two on the list. Also, just super gross for a lot of reasons. Uh, not not the least of which is she fucks her brother a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. I would say probably one of the best acting performances of the whole, of the whole show. Uh, this character uh she's definitely got a big role to play all right number one yeah so well you've seen my list so i was, I was gonna have you guess but could you would you have guessed my number one had you not seen my list uh, i remind me your number one was joffrey uh yeah i called him uh blonde king boy because at that <laughs> point I, I couldn't remember his name That's he's good. so yes. gross you fuck that dude for every reason i'm in he killed Ned Stark, which was just some bullshit. And I don't think that kid has said a single thing that's been, I've been able to be sympathetic to. He is just like a straight up sociopath asshole. Absolutely. This is a, this is a very strong candidate for number one. And I, I, I can't say anything about this character without, uh, without being spoilery, spoilery. So I'm just not going to say anything. I do have one question for you as I looked over your list. Yeah. How did, Viserys, uh, Dragon Lady's brother, not make the list? Is it just because he reaches a very satisfying conclusion, you know, not even before the first season is done? Oh, 100%. Had he not got the boiling gold point pulled in his face, he'd have been like a top three candidate. That dude was awful, but he just got killed quick enough. He didn't make it to the list. Okay. That, that, that is the, yeah, he was horrible. I thought it was. Yes. He was. He's horrible, and I was very glad to see him uh, get the crown that he wanted um, in the way that he did. But yeah, that was uh, that was great. I loved how quick that happened. So that that was one of the, the things that surprised me about the show, which I think when Ned got decapitated wasn't so shocking. Was his death where it was just like you know he's just sitting there being like his little asshole self. He wanted a seat at the table or whatever, and then like four seconds later, boom, got <laughs> a boiling gold on his head. I was like, damn, this shit moved fast. All right, I gotta pay attention. Uh, but yeah, I, I I think just how satisfying that was. He didn't make the list because he was awful, but at least he got his just desserts. Okay, I have at least one more question for you on this topic before we close the show. So okay. again, as we've established in this, this show, I am the sci-fi fantasy guy. You historically have not been. So season one, we don't get a ton, right? We do get, you know, the introduction of the White Walker type bad guy. And in, in, I believe in episode one, the zombie, yep. the zombie type dudes. 
and you do get dragons, right? They hatch, I think, in the last episode of season one. Yep. Yep. Right at the end. So you know, I'm sure there's probably other things that I'm thinking of. Again, you have the dire wolves, which aren't super fantastical, you know, from from a magic perspective. Like, was the amount of magic fantasy in the show tolerable enough? Like, did it strain? Did it affect your viewing in any way? Or were you just like, this is minimal enough that I can I could roll with this? Yeah, it's it's minimal enough. I think if it ramped up a lot, I might have a little bit of an issue with it. Mm-hmm. I do want to know how they built the wall. My guess is that they don't address that. But the yeah, wall is yeah. I mean, there's some lore huge. behind it. Yeah, yeah. There's there's like lore behind it or whatever. But you you never really get like a whole like super detailed explanation. I don't think in the show. Um, I think that was like the biggest like whoa mo- like visually impressive moment maybe of the first season to me though when they hit the wall and it was like this thing just keeps going. Yes, there is. I think it's in season seven. There is a scene that features the wall that's like breathtaking in how it looks. Like it just looks so it looks so awesome. And the wall is definitely something that will play, you know, uh, uh you know, we will be up that in that northern part of the of, of the world quite a bit, you know, as the season goes along. So um, but yeah, just phenomenal. My last little point for you is I'm curious to see you're completely wrong. The theme song of the show got my blood pumping every time. See the map, see the world, where we were going to be or whatever. Uh, I'm curious to see if it grows on you the longer the uh, the show goes on. It's just too long. It's a long theme song. Like, I'm not trying to sit here for four and a half. I, honestly, I don't watch it most. I watch it maybe three of the ten episodes of the first. Yeah, that's usually when I got to take a piss. Yeah, but see, that's that was the great thing when we were watching it every week. Like, it gives you plenty enough time to check the last thing on your phone, to go to the bathroom, to grab your drink, to get situated, turn the lights off, get all going, and you got the music in the background. Mm. It may hurt the fact that I'm binging. So, you know, if I'm doing two or three episodes in an evening. Yes, like, yes. By, I, by the second time, I'm definitely pissed. And by the third time, it's like, let me see if I can fast forward through. This. Yes, like, that would be that would probably be a one listen through through night type of deal for me. Uh, so yeah. that's totally fair. So let me know in case your HBO subscription magically disappears. I think we have at least like through the first three or four seasons, I think, on DVD. But uh, yeah, I am. A, I will be reading along on your Twitter diary about this show quite a bit because uh, it's again, it was the first uh, the show overall was one of the best things I've ever watched on on, on TV, and uh, particularly those those first six seasons. Um, just like the pinnacle, like you'll see things on TV that you're just like, this is like this is movie level on a TV show, and it's it's great. Yeah, j- just don't judge how quick those come out. If I have like you know my season two recap out by like Tuesday, listen, I wa- I watch some TV in the evenings. Don't judge. Oh no! Oh man, we will. <laughs> that, that's totally fine. Because uh, again, as you like, again, I, as I've stated on some previous episodes, uh, you know the the episodes I do with April when we talk about Marvel content. Usually, like I just naturally wait things that happen at the end of a end of a run at the end of a series more because you have all this build up with all these characters, you have this history with them now, and man, man, as it's just. The show is the show is great, and uh, you'll you'll be able to develop long relationships with some of these characters, 
and some of them will be over sooner than you'd imagine. So, yeah, I bet. I'm I'm not gonna I'm gonna try not get, to get too attached to anybody, but uh, I'm pretty attached to Aria. So if if she doesn't make it to the end, that's gonna be a tough one for me. Her arc is so fucking cool, dude. Oh man. All right, dude. Well, I think that's gonna bring us to the end here. Uh, stay safe, Ohio. I'm stealing your line a little bit. Get vaccinated. Talk to your doctors. Get ready for school. Uh, and, and and that's it, man. Wow, you stole my line. I'm still gonna I'm still gonna drop it at the end of the show though, because that's tradition. So stay safe, Ohio. Yep, this has been your episode of Buckeye Dads Discuss, and we are out. Buckeye Dads Discuss is a podcast hosted by Andy and Josh. It's edited by April. You can find us on social media at Buckeye Dads on Twitter, and you can email the show at Buckeye Dads Discuss at gmail.com.